welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, D. Dylan Bear, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Basson, bringing the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. Hello and thank you everybody for tuning into another edition of Sports Carnage. We're going to start things a little bit different. Plug the Twitter and Facebook early so maybe you don't have to listen all the way to the end. So Twitter, follow us at Sports Carnage Podcast. or I'm sorry, it's just at Sports Carnage. And then on Facebook, uh, follow in, hit us in the search bar, Sports Carnage Podcast. Like us, share, subscribe, um, do everything that there is to do. With that out the way... We had an exciting and not so exciting for some of us week of both college football and the NFL. That's what we're discussing today. Big football show. I'm excited. Paul's excited to get some things off his chest after after a pretty rough Saturday with his Michigan Wolverines. So I'm not going to tell Paul's story for him. Luckily, we have him here. We do not have Matthew Basson with us. Rest in peace. Or he has work or oh, something. I hope funny. none of his work colleagues listen to this. But... I don't know. Okay. Fuck Matt's work on the record. I'm sure Matt's fine. Yeah, There's no big deal. Rest in peace. He, he doesn't want to be goodness. here for this anyway. Uh, Matt, Matt's just as heartbroken as I am. Uh, the good thing about being sick is I, I can't yell and get too excited, so I'll appear measured <laughs> as we talk about this tonight. For the once in the last 50 podcasts we've done, like one time, people will be like, "Ah, oh, that guy, he, he's relaxed, no matter what he's talking about." So yeah, Michigan played this weekend. Did you guys I see that game? I didn't know they played. I'll be honest. Yeah, I actually didn't. I was at the uh, the Renaissance Festival. Oh, I, I, uh, oh yeah. Turkey well, I was watching very, it. Very overrated. I was watching it. I was just confused why Wisconsin was playing themselves. Well, <laughs> I mean, Dylan, Dylan was just stroking it. It was basically oh, porn for him. But for money, those money. of us that back our beloved Mason Blue, it was misery incarnate. And the first thing that I want to go at is let's talk about this head coaching situation because it's all anyone can seem to want to talk about, which is a frustrating thing about sports for me. And I thank God my compadres on this podcast are not so dull that that's the thing that they're worried about. But even at halftime, uh, the amount of fire Jim Harbaugh things that I saw on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, everywhere, and after the game, it certainly didn't get any better because it's not like they mounted a big second-half rally. Although, we did outscore Wisconsin in the second half, let it be okay. known. Okay. It's facts. Facts. Not that it means anything, but it's facts. Uh, the first thing I want to address is Jim Harbaugh. And the I'm going to try to simplify it for those of you that think Jim Harbaugh should be fired or that he's not the right coach for this program. And I'm going to put it into terms that I hope that you yes, can don't, understand. Don't talk which our isn't audience much. even more. Um, oh, they should leave probably if they're in that camp. I wouldn't let's, recommend let's listening to this podcast. Let's pretend that our audience – They should leave like Harbaugh. <laughs> I... <laughs> let's just pretend our audience is, is, is you know, not so simpletons. I, Im- imagine, if you will, a an adult from Alabama in his rusted-out Nissan truck – with his rebel flag and his Trump banner hanging Starting out the back, going to pick up his sister oh, for date see. night. <laughs> and that guy is just a few IQ points higher than the people that think Jim Harbaugh should be fired. That's, that's so that's what we're going to start. I am not going to give this serious credence. It is preposterous. And we'll talk about the why. But for those of you 
that are in this camp, uh, what exactly did you want and or expect this season? Because as far as I know, everything that I'm watching, this is exactly what I've heard everybody say Jim Harbaugh has to do. All these years, and I've heard it from even guys on this podcast, you know, Jim Harbaugh needs to relinquish control of the offense. We need to modernize the game. This lining up with fullback sets doesn't work. It's not modern football. You're never going to win that way. Although Wisconsin just looked pretty darn good doing it that way. But no, we wanted, we said, you know what? Jim Harbaugh's had his success. He knows the game. He needs to become the CEO of the program. He, he, he let go of... He seated control of the defense at Don Brown outside of a couple games. For the most part, that's been very successful for Michigan, even though people have turned on him now after one bad game. It's, it's, bad it's, it's, a, it's a couple bad games. It's multiple, and I will chew into him a little bit later because he, he ain't getting off the Oh, bottom. and that's fine. That's that's all on you, but that's the defense more a personnel issue, whereas the offense is completely opposite of that. But this is what everybody wanted. They said, you know what, Harbaugh? Become the CEO. Just run the program. Recruit your guys, do the headlines, manage the game. Sleep wherever you want. Seed control to a young, hot coordinator. So we did this. Jim Harbaugh did this. He took the fans' advice. Not literally. He's not listening (laughs) to you guys and be like, yeah, I should do that. But he took what was a pretty successful offense. Uh, Last year, Michigan scored. They didn't have too much trouble scoring. One of their best years, 2016. Michigan's had a couple top 20 years in scoring. 2016, they were... 40 points a game? Yeah, 40 points a game. 10th of the nation in scoring. I don't know scoring. if the straw man Last year? Is, yeah, I don't know about if I buy that. It'll pro- That's no, a fact. No, no, what no, do you no, mean if you buy I it? Because I don't think that the problem was when you're beating the crap out of Rutgers. It's the play calling in specific circumstances. Well, we didn't just put up points on Rutgers. We scored 49 points on I Penn get State. That. I'm, Prime I, big my time competition. Is, is that you're, you're veering a little too far into Valeni for my taste. Yeah, veering. So last year, perfect example. Last year. We everyone's panicking. We beat Wisconsin thirty-eight to thirteen last well, year. We'll get to that in a little bit. Wisconsin team, and we all know it. Hey, you say garbage all you want. Their defense wasn't bad. We hung thirty-eight on them. Was their quarterback? That's all I need to say. Like that's it. It's it's that simple. This is what everybody wanted. Everyone. And what I will say to that is, there are two ways that you can take this. You wanted a new offense. You can't have it both ways. You can't say we're going to take. Well, we've built for five years a pro-style smash-mouth system. And overnight, we're going to become the Oregon of the Chip Kelly area, era. And it's just going to work. And there's not going to be any bumps in the road. There's not going to be any hiccups. So, three games into the season here, you need to either take a step back and maybe wait to see how things play out. Because this season has not written itself yet. Or you need to shut your fucking mouth. And you need to say, you know what? Maybe it's not on Jim Harbaugh. And maybe his way only those was a little choices. bit better. Maybe we should take a breather. Yeah, only those two choices. And you can prevent me no, the alternatives. No, no gray area. <laughs> right. No nuance. Bit, and I'll tell you this. why they're fucking stupid. Uh, okay. Just stop, there's not you, stop a talking lot of about your, to your straw mans here. I, uh, like, you're, you're talking to people that, in fairness, people who have stuck with us for this long, I'll be honest, probably agree with us more than what you're portraying. So why don't you go into other I, I doubt that because I have seen, I have seen stuff. very <laughs> few other – I've seen very few other opinions on this. I, what is the dissenting opinion? Uh, again, my, my... – I've seen that Harbaugh sucks and can't get his team prepared. 
and the offense sucks. But well, you painting straw men that, oh, well, we need to fire him, and if you think that there's no nuance to how the offense is going to be implemented. No, no. So what straw man are I'm you talking, talking about? I'm talking about the fact that you are creating an individual that I, we don't know whether exists but I'm not. or not. I'm not. But you're – this is all – tell me what other viewpoints there I are mean, out there right now. I mean, mine for one, Ryan's for another, but you said you wanted to ho- do a whole thing, so I don't want to be getting into that right away, but uh, – I was spe- – hold on, hold on. So I think you're a little misconstrued here. This was specifically addressing the people that want Harbaugh right, fired. Right, but I don't – but again, are we, is our job as individuals who do this podcast to address the individuals that we think – are not well i want to address it because right? people that are coming here to listen to this podcast but i would Michigan, think that anyone who is seeking us a lot out of them want are, jim harbaugh going to be a little smarter than to just be so reactionary that's all i'm saying you're giving the average fan oh a lot too, i know too I, the irony is palpable is, i'm just so saying you can't, can't lead off by so talking put it people this way down. that's all i'm saying you know that i don't enjoy this part of it because i think it's absurd and ignorant and a waste of time but the prevailing the literal prevailing thing coming out of that game was that Jim Harbaugh is not right for this program? No, that is the ninety percent. Okay, and that's not that's not an opinion. Sure. So how can you sit here and have a discussion about it if you don't address that? It's the opposite of a straw man. I'm getting ahead of the main real argument. Uh, a straw man, for those of you that don't know what it is, is when you create an argument to argue against that nobody's trying to have. The Mike Valeni syndrome. That's not what this is. This is this is literally the biggest thing that people have taken out of this game, you, wherever you go, whether it's ESPN, Barstool, Yahoo, I'm Twitter, make, Facebook, look, look, I don't look, care I'm where you go. I'm going to make this simple. If Ryan and I are not in that boat, then we should probably move on to game film But that part's reasons. not for Ryan I'm aware, but we're here. And we're Mr. sitting game here, film, and you're doing this, and I just, like, come on, let's move on. Let's talk about game reasons. This was a, you know? a, a two-minute blip, and you're the one that stretched it out. So let's move on. So what's your next point? <laughs> I, I've been trying to. I, I didn't want to spend long on this at all. That was the, that was the beginning go away idiots. So they're gone. Are they're gone good? now. So now. All right. They're gone. We got rid of the people that want to fire Harbaugh. And uh, you talk about a straw man. I, I take your, what's your take on this, Dylan? The worst thing that I've heard this week, I guess I can't get over the Harbaugh thing because you heard about the money. Apparently but Jim wait, Harbaugh makes more. a lot of money. And. That's why he needs to be fired because he makes too much money for Chris the job. Chris being paid five mil for one Final Four run. People want think to talk about, about that for that. a second. On, this is the level of, of what we are dealing with. People are worried about how much money the head coach right. makes. University of Michigan is one of the few athletic departments that literally prints money, right. and you're judging a guy's wins and losses based on how much money I, he makes. I, I, that's just. But I think on, that's just a target Dylan, for people to be like, "Oh man, it's it's absurd," and I've seen too much of it. Sure. So. The one thing I really do want to dive into is the offense because if we're past the point where, all right, so Harbaugh's not going anywhere. It's probably stupid to fire him. Not that the university ever would fire him. But what is going on? What happened Saturday? And can it get better in the future? Should you expect it to get better? Or does this team suck? For the people that hate Michigan out there or the people that are enjoying this or even the self-loathing Michigan (laughs) fan, which I feel like is 75% of them, you are right about one thing. Michigan has looked bad. If Michigan does not improve, if Michigan plays this level of football for the remainder of the season, they are a 7-5 and five football team this year. And there is no ifs, ands, or buts about that. 7-5 and five would almost be getting a break in a game or two if they play this level of football, which 
Big game against Rutgers coming up. (laughs) Yeah, that tough game against Rutgers. On the plus side for this team, the one thing that I will say unequivocally is where this team is playing football right now and what they could get to, their ceiling, is the widest gap in college football. And it's a goddamn good thing because they're playing like a train wreck. Playing like a train wreck right now. But what we have to look at is why are they playing so bad, so different than expectation. And you can talk about preseason hype all that you want, and it does exist around this program. For sure, the hype train is always in full effect. I will never deny that. title, 2020. there is a much more concrete, strict divide this year in what the hype was because a lot of the hype coming into the season was built around the offense, which has truly been the biggest failing of this team. And we talked about it a little bit in the Harbaugh effect. We hired a new offensive coordinator, and he's an inexperienced guy that while many hailed the hire in the offseason, not everyone. I know that a couple of people on this podcast didn't like the hire, but most people thought it was at least a solid hire, a nice stab in the dark and in a good direction. And you got to start somewhere. And I'm going to not, I don't want to compare and I don't want to explain away, but I'm going to mention Penn State a lot in this. And it is not, I know that that will get a lot of eye rolls immediately. It is not to say that this is the same team. It is not to say that they are going to reach the same place or same level of success. It is to add context to the situation, things that are severely Such lacking. Such an outlier. And the first one <laughs> is Jim Moorhead. Why are you – And everyone's why like, wow, why didn't, why didn't Michigan – Why is this the guy? Well, because He's that's what our offense good. is modeled after. I don't, I don't – Well, that's like not relevant it. to this discussion. So that's fine. But that's what our offense is from the Jim Moorhead tree. <laughs> that's what our offense is built out of is the Jim Moorhead tree. And the reason I mention him is because everyone said – you know, Michigan's got to go get one of those guys. They've Ooh. seen the success that teams like Ohio State and Penn State have had offensively in Alabama. Jim Moorhead, when he went to Penn State in 2016, hadn't had any high-level coaching jobs. He coached at a couple little schools and then made the big move to take over Penn State as offensive coordinator. Where he got and Saquon. Everybody should know that Josh Gaddis coached under him there. Then he went to Alabama where he coached with Mike Loxley and their high-powered attack. And so... At least Josh Gaddis, he came from a couple high-profile schools. Doesn't have the actual play-calling experience, but it's more about the system. And so Jim Harbaugh has followed his career really since Western. Josh Gaddis, for those that don't know, used to coach at Western before he bounced around all over. And Jim Harbaugh's followed him a long time, said, I like what he's done at the stops he's been. I've talked to the players that he's coached. I, I like what he's done. So he went out and hired that guy. There were people that were, that were hyped about Josh Gaddis before they found out that Harbaugh found him on ZipRecruiter. <laughs> so I can see where they would they would grow their disdain now when the man was lying on his resume. I know that it bores Dylan, but the reason all of this context is important back to what is we to apply saw. it. It's to apply it to I what's know, actually going on. I know, but we can do that on. in snippets. So most important thing is the offensive line. You guys watch the game. Did the offensive line look like they had any idea what was going on out there? Oh, it's a little bit of the game. <laughs> Could they pick no, up a single stun? Did they have any idea how to oh. block? So now, why is this? Why am I harping on this? Well, Michigan's offensive line last year was very, very, very solid. You even say very good. Most of the offensive line was all Big Ten, and this matters because they returned the whole offensive line. The only guy they didn't return was right tackle Juwan Bushel Beatty, 
and he was bad. He was the worst member of our offensive line. We've actually upgraded this year to Jalen Mayfield. We have a better right tackle than we did last year, and we have the same line across the board. They are not injured. They are healthy. Last year, this same team that had an identity, that this offensive line pounded lanes open in the run game, that they pass blocked very well except on a few occasions. Last year, this offensive line played Wisconsin, and they averaged 6.7 yards a carry against Wisconsin's front. They ran for 320 yards last year against Wisconsin. I'm going to be honest with you. Wisconsin's defense hasn't changed that much Ah, this year. I disagree. They didn't add a bunch of all-world players. They didn't get exceptionally healthier. In fact, in the secondary, they're worse than they were last year. This offensive line pummeled them for four quarters last year, a very similar Wisconsin team. For four quarters, they put up 320 yards. Why is that important? Because this year everyone's panicking. Wisconsin put up 300 yards against Michigan. I think it was like 340 yards rushing. They, we reversed. What did Michigan do in this game? The same offensive line that actually has more talent than last year's. 40 yards. That's, that they makes it sound they worse. I don't know if yards. you're making a point they that's good or bad. 2.0. <laughs> yards per carry. Is this, this a year. good thing or a bad My thing? My point is, it's a bad okay, thing. It's a terrible okay. thing. I was very confused. It's Wasn't a very, McCaffrey very their bad leading thing. Rusher? McCaffrey or Shea? Uh, Shea was. I think McCaffrey thought... probably was before he got knocked the frick out, but I'm not 100%. <laughs> that was dirty ass I'm going to be honest. I think if you had nine nine yards, you were our leading rusher. I still haven't so, seen it. So, okay, so it's, uh, the it's reason this is important is it is very simple. <laughs> this line did not forget how to football no. overnight. They did not regress to levels unseen in football history. Never in history has a line of the same players backtracked so much. So this, clear as day, you can see it with your eyes when you watch them miss every single assignment on the TV. But it is not a personnel issue on the offense. It is simply they have no idea what they are supposed to. So isn't that a coordinator thing? And the reason that you were just saying that Josh Gaddis it is not an to implementation overreact? thing. You you can but start by blocking. <laughs> the reason, the reason that I you have to withhold judgment on Gaddis on this system on all of it. Even, even though, though you just said that the old say, line reduced down. because of coaching. I'm confused now. Nowhere, no. It's not that they're reduced. They don't know what they're but supposed to be doing. But that's a coaching thing. They're, they're but. How long does it take to completely change everything you know about your job? How I mean, long hit does it man take in front of you for to, running play. <laughs> but that's not what that. it is. That's not what this is at all. So you're talking about a man blocking scheme, which Michigan doesn't run. Michael Orler so had 10 minutes in a movie. Time out. Haven't you been using that. zone blocking since Harbaugh got there, though? No. Are you sure We've about We've actually switched that? multiple times, especially as we've switched line coaches. Okay. From Drevno to Dave Warner and before Dave, him. Who, who now? Warner. Warner. Okay. I was confused for a second. <laughs> I was like, you stole our shit offensive coordinator? What? Are we good? No, no only we do that. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, same offensive, same line coach last year. Same line. Sands one better guy. Much different results, and you've seen why it played out that way. So why am I mentioning this? So there's to an implementation the shit out issue because I don't know your point now. They're not uh, struggling on offense because they suck. They're struggling on offense because they have no idea how to run the plays. Sounds like given. coaching. There is hope going forward because 
You never, ever, when you make this drastic of changes, it doesn't work overnight. I don't care where you are and what talent level you have. It doesn't work overnight. I can think of many examples where that is incorrect. To 2016 Um. Penn State, (laughs) who had a worse offensive line than this team, much worse actually. And they had a Saquon Barkley, but they had a worse receiving core. That is not and true about, at oh, all. You're being dishonest here. Then they had Godwin, dude. That is a hundred percent. Godwin and Jasicki. Okay. And Jasicki. Have you seen our receivers? Nico Collins, Tariq Blake. Like, did you see the end of the Wisconsin Chris game? Chris when Godwin every is on the same play, level when as Nico, Every if not single better. play, they were mossing DBs from Wisconsin when they got right. the opportunity. And you every just said Wisconsin play. DBs Godwin, were worse. Godwin's probably better. Godwin was, is definitely better. We, they, you they were on that trio, train. I would say Godwin Come is on. the best single receiver. Come on. You're acting like that offense somehow was running out Ryan, myself, That's and Matt at, at receiving. That's court. not what I said at all. We hey, have better pass catchers as a whole. We That's have right, better Ryan. pass catchers as a whole. Randy Moss, I have Nico, Tariq, Nico, Tariq Black, DPJ. And DPJ been uh, DP nowhere Nick Eubanks, in this season. Sean McCune. Was DMP, did not play. <laughs> uh, not coach's decision. They are better coach's offense. than what Penn State rolled out at the skill positions that year. Saquon is the only thing that Penn State that had is on so us. That untrue. year, it's yeah. not. But regardless about, of what, what you about think about, about it, Big <laughs> you, you can't argue the offensive line. Because their offensive line was I mean, I just was never care about style. offensive line and play the way that you do. Trace I just don't. Well, offensive line play is the most important part of offense, period. So I don't you should care about it. That. But I guess you don't care about things that actually affect no, the No, because I think so play fine. calling on a college level matters more than line play does. Not if you got an offensive line that mauls everybody. But, okay, I'll give you an example of how I don't think that's correct. Because these group of five teams, the ones that do really well – are not doing it because their lines are so good. Like, Boise State doesn't ha- sit here and have all-world linemen. It's because their play calling is well, brilliant. Well, you have to run gimmicky offenses because you don't have the talent. Sure, but look at 2014 Michigan State. Dear you think that King, was somehow baby. amazing. No, that offense was awesome. Your offense was better than it was in 2013. Yeah, the line wasn't that That's my good. point. The line was exceptional in 2014. It was, it was, it was, was better. They blew people off the we line. We were passing more. That's why. Who is your play caller? Who is your play caller? Our play calling was really good back then. That was Warner's first year. Oh, it just changed? Despite yes. Not, despite not I know personnel? my play calling. And, we, and play. we also have better, we, better we just decided that we can't do play calling. Anyway. Anyways, we'll get year. off topic. I mean, this is going nowhere, though. Well, because you keep asking questions that I'm trying to bring to you. That I'm are trying to, sense. You told them to ask questions. That too. I said questions that make sense. Not questions that are just going to confuse people Shit. because you can't grasp simple concepts. Oh, look at that with the insulting. Man, you're starting off on a, on just a good streak this I, week. You're the one that said you don't understand what offensive no, line has to do No, I did not offense. say that. I said so, I didn't care as much. My question is why, yeah, I don't care why about are the we most talking about this? And why don't we talk about the real issue I think everyone took away from the game is the fact that Michigan players quit. Uh, we'll get to that. I don't know. Well, you get to that. We're 25 minutes We'll get to that. No, That's dude, fine. like, we need to. Can we, These are the can hard we, questions. Can Ryan and I get our know. opinions in? Because I'll be asking, hearing you run circles around saying your program may or may not be you good. Have be made, okay. So, this literally, the, everything I've talked about right now would have taken 10 minutes. That is not true. <laughs> that it is, is 100% not true. true. It, you derail it at literally every opportunity. I don't know. You were reading Gaddis' Wikipedia page. And then you're recanting how your offense is better than the 2016 fucking Penn State team. Get the hell I, out That's of not me. what I said at all. Okay, whatever. Doesn't matter. I, I want to tie this back. I want to say my piece because I'm tired of I hearing. I haven't been able to tie this back to anything because yes, you, you won't have. stop asking stupid questions. <laughs> you have recanted. 
Like things that a fucking so five-year-old should be able to comprehend. And again, with this, I get that your team shit the bed. Stop insulting people's intelligence like a ten-year-old bully. Well, stop asking dumb-ass questions like a ten-year-old. You would. told me to ask <laughs> questions. I said ask intelligent questions, not ask questions that, that a toddler funny. would ask that's never watched a football game before. Why does offensive line play matter than offense? I didn't say that. Understand. Check the tape. You might as well. No, have said I that. said I just don't care as much because play calling matters more. I don't care about the most important part of the offense. Check, please. Regardless, so that I can actually wrap this up without the stupidity, maybe I guess stop asking questions since you can't handle it. What is this? <laughs> 2016 Penn State. They implemented the same kind of system that we're trying to implement. They got pasted in Ann Arbor. I want to say game four of that year. Maybe it was game three. 40, 49 to 10. They scored 10 points in Ann Arbor. Gave up 49. They had some injuries in the linebacker. Defense was a little depleted. Their offense couldn't do anything. They just got absolutely shellacked. Saquon Barkley, best running back in the country, got absolutely stifled. Every time he had the ball, he got blown the fuck up. And that team was an abomination. After that game, it was so bad, the AD of Penn State had to come out, bless her heart, and publicly say that we are not moving on from James Franklin. We believe in this man as our football coach, and we are not going to fire him. That's how bad it was. That's the level of toxicity that existed after that game because of how bad that team was, specifically that offense. Through four games, they were averaging 29 points a game. That's the easy part of your schedule. 62nd in the country at Penn State with all the talent that Dylan knows that they had with Mike Gusecki and Chris Godwin and Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley. Halfway through the season, they had bumped it up to 30 points a game, 52nd in the country. And yet after that, it started to click. It really started to click around game five, six, whenever they played Minnesota. They were down at halftime and they looked miserable. And they came out, and they put a whooping on on Minnesota the second half. Then they beat Ohio State the following week, and then they went on a tear. They dropped 62 points after that. They dropped 49 points in the Rose Bowl. And why were they in the Rose Bowl? Because they went on to win the Big Ten. Their offense the second half of the year averaged 43 points a game, more than any other Power 5 team in the entire country. They averaged 43 points a game in the second half of that season with an offensive line that couldn't even imagine being compared to the talent that Michigan has on offensive line right now, which Dylan doesn't care about, and that's fine, but I do care about that. The reason this is important is not to say that Michigan is going to win the Big Ten, that they're going to go on a tear like that, that everything's going to work out. What is important is to look at how absurd it is to judge this team, specifically the offense at this point, when they are doing so many changes. And when you see that the issues are not personnel-related, when it is strictly understanding the scheme it's not even the plays that are being called it's their ability to grasp and implement them where you where dylan said well isn't that a coaching problem that you're not implementing them this happens wherever you go if you do this much change you are always going to have these issues some bumps are going to be worse than others this is a very drastic change it is the opposite of everything that michigan has done for so long that jim harbaugh has built so if you want to look at something in that 2016 year, and this is why I said we didn't need to replace Jim Gaddis. We talked about it. Michigan's offense was fine. But if you were one of those people that said, this is what we have to do, how can you possibly sit here today okay. and say, wow, that was a bad hire. Jim Harbaugh doesn't know what he's doing. It's time to broom everything. So you're allowed to say, and I do agree it's premature to say Gaddis sucks or Gaddis doesn't know what he's doing. But you're allowed to tell someone, hey, I think you should change this. 
And then when they change it, say, no, but not like that. Right. It was a bad hire. It was a bad move, whatever. And the parallel that I can think of only because it's local is the Lions offensive line typically or just kind of traditionally is horrible. And then a couple years ago, they went out, they signed TJ Lang and they signed Rick Wagner. And it's even what the Tigers did when they had a really bad bullpen. And everyone's like, you need to fix the bullpen for the Tigers. You need to fix the offensive line for the Lions. They went out and they tried to do it. It just didn't work. TJ Lang ended up getting paid too much. Um, same with Rick Wagner. And Rick Wagner was not the guy that we thought we signed. And TJ Lang, while he was sort of effective here, um, had a, a worse issue with penalties than he's ever had. And he was banged up a whole bunch. So just because someone takes the quote-unquote advice of the fans, the media, kind of whoever you want to say, what everyone thinks kind of the prevailing thought that they should do or that they should make the change, you're still allowed to criticize the change that they make if, from what you're seeing, you don't like it or you think it's not working. I agree it's premature to just say throw the whole offense away and throw Gaddis out, but it's not like, hey, you wanted the change, so now you have to deal with it. That I don't so agree with. So your example is absolutely perfection. And it's the most frustrating thing Lions fans have heard or I've heard over the years is – because our offensive line play has always been terrible. And they're like, well, they've invested a lot of money in first-round picks and this and that on the offensive line. It doesn't matter if it doesn't work. I agree with you that a thousand percent. But you can't say that now because you asked for a drastic change. This is not a let's get some better players in here thing. This is a change everything that we've been doing as a program on the offensive side of the ball. You have to be willing to take the lumps You have to be willing to do this. Who said fire Paul Christ last year when Wisconsin went into Ann Arbor and lost 38-13? to A bigger shellacking than this Saturday was. Nobody did. But that's also because they had Alex Hornibrook, which no one in Madison... Oh, because Shea Patterson's been so bad. No, 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 but but Hornibrook was hated so much that for his senior year, he transferred to Florida State. To be a backup. Right. That's how badly he was hated there. But... My, my, okay, so first off, you were talking about the Lions, and I had an inkling to start talking about Kaepernick for some reason. I couldn't, I I couldn't tell you why, but, no, my thing is very simple, and it's what I said before the week, and I put my money where my mouth was. I knew that something like this was going to occur, where Wisconsin was going to control the game and just... Yeah, and here's another thing that it, I think is a tad dishonest is that the individuals. So we have the seventy percent who say fire Harbaugh, then there's the thirty percent. I'm not saying Paul specifically, but That's... individuals who are saying, "Oh, well, it's fine because they the the offense looked okay after the fact." Well, well it's not fine. It's absolutely that, not fine. Right, like that. It's, a, that it's first also seventy five twenty five, not seventy five thirty. I think it's more like 90-10, to be honest. Regardless. But that's semantics. Regardless. Not his point. I was just that first That first half was, I would argue, worse than any of the either halves for the 2013 game against Michigan State. I've never seen a Michigan team be that annihilated on and both sides of the ball. that gets us to Ryan's point that he really wanted to address, and that was the team quitting. And I what I would say to not... that... No, no, it's it's fine. That's okay, Dylan, because it is important to address, and it is... But I don't care about the team quitting part. I would quit, too, if I got my ass kicked. But Ryan cares about it, and the thing is, the problem with this team... I have a problem. The problem with this team is, it's not like they were like, oh, we're down 35-0, we suck, we can't do anything. No, no, no. 
See, this team, at the very first sign of adversity, especially on the offensive side of the ball, they folded like a table at a Buffalo Bills tailgate. Hey, Bills Mafia. Wisconsin came, marched on the field, scored a touchdown. Michigan looked like they were going to answer right away. Beautiful pass down the sideline set us up first and goal, or at least close to it. And uh, put a fullback in the game to run the ball. A lot of people question that. They're like, wow, this guy's been repping at D-tackle. He practiced every single week. He practiced carrying the ball. He carried the ball a million times for us last year, never fumbled it. And uh, he fumbled because that's what this team's done this year. They fumble the ball on the fucking goal line. Weirdest thing. (laughs) It's ridiculous. So whatever. He fumbles the ball because it didn't work out. Coaching staff takes flag. Why was he in the game? Whatever. Not important. So then it's it's a gut punch. You thought you were going to go down tie the game up. It's a huge momentum shift, which I hate that word. We'll get to that in a minute. And then Wisconsin quick change of possession, and it was quick. Michigan, Michigan didn't drive down the field. They had huge passes, set them up, and then fumbled the ball. Quick possession change. Michigan or Wisconsin marches right back down the field, scores another touchdown, 14-0. Then it looks like Michigan's marching again. They complete okay. a big pass into Wisconsin territory. Bad review call. Says incomplete. What happens? The mental part of the game to withstand adversity the leadership that clearly was lacking Saturday to pull guys together. It was, at that point, mentally, a large part of this team was done. Now, the whole team did not quit. There were some guys that fought out there till the end, but it was way, way more guys quit than you can have a successful program. And it's not that they just gave up on the game and just quit playing at all. They got lackadaisical. They got loose. They tried to do too much. They didn't stick to their assignments. You saw them both offense and defense. Much worse on the offense, but it started to affect the defense too, especially since they were out on the field so much. You cannot have that. And if there's one thing that you want to pin on Jim Harbaugh, that is the one. If there's one thing that you want to pin I on this game. I have something else because I actually tell don't me. care about the effort thing. Tell me. My thing, my You don't issue. care about effort. You are no, 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 no. I don't no, care no, about no. offensive line play. I'm I don't say- care about effort. No, this I'm awesome. saying – that you that you guys are jumping on the I don't care part. If I were being as mentally destroyed as they are um, physically destroyed on both sides of the ball as they were, like a team quote unquote quitting, it's the same thing as overreacting about the offense not looking sharp. I mean, there are some games that may, your team is going to mentally drop. Ohio, we talk about Ohio State. The, Ohio State drops a game. It quits in a game every year. But you're not sitting there seeing Ohio State people sit there and say, oh, my God, the program's in ruins. They don't quit you, against ranked teams. Uh, they quit against non-ranked teams. That's They don't worse. quit against ranked teams. When, when it matters, what you get what, when you they get have a what statement to make, when the chips are down, when it matters, they show up. And that's one thing I'll give Urban Meyer as much as I despise the man. Right, but you get what I'm saying, though. Like, the the quitting part... Well, I is, don't think it's the same, though. I do get what you're saying. I just don't right. equate it. So, my concern is it trumps that. Because I, I, I'm just going to say it, say the phrase, it is a football reason. And it is specifically in regards to the guy outside of Jim that has been praised of the Messiah, who I think is a false prophet. And that, that is Don Brown specifically in something that I have not seen a Michigan team, even with Brady Hoke, do what this team did on Saturday. Jonathan Taylor made that defense look worse than a MAC team. The gap discipline 
for Michigan linebackers who anybody who is younger than 20 will not know. Michigan is a as much a linebacking school as anybody. They have so many guys in the NFL that, especially in that 2000s era with Lloyd Carr, they had so many good linebackers. That is a huge part of the program. And to see this team have the worst gap integrity I've ever seen a Michigan team play in year five, I don't care who it is, where Lavert Hill is jumping inside of the tackles on two separate Jonathan Taylor touchdowns. You watch the 75-yarder that he ran. Lavert Hill wanted to slap the center. That is how badly he jumped inside with his gap integrity. It was that bad. That is concerning way more on such a higher level than effort, and be it's because... Whether it's effort or not, because you're going to play up against your rivals, against Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan State. Effort is not going to be a problem. But you know what will be? When your defense and your linebacking core in particular that this program has done so well for cannot do their job correctly. That is the problem. uh, I don't know how you can say that the effort is not a problem because when they get punched in the mouth by Michigan State when they can't run the ball and the quarterback's been sacked six times in the first half, and it's a freaking 9-6 game, that is when that effort matters. That's when they have to not put their heads down. That's when they have to want it more than the man across from them. So I think you're extremely wrong about that. But addressing what actually is your point in Don Brown, in <laughs> it's kind of similar to the offense, but for vastly different reasons. <clears throat> I'll be the first to admit Don Brown has not had a great go of things lately. But if you actually, and I'm not saying that fans should do this or even have the resources or time to do this or that they should care this much about the program, but to just slightly try to educate quickly since Dylan's going to fall asleep here, if you look at the film, Don Brown tries to adjust. And one of the biggest problems that we have right now is personnel. We do not have the healthy line that we need. And you can say, well, how do you not have depth in year five of Harbaugh along the line, especially on the interior? And a lot of that has been attrition, whether it's transfers or dismissals from the team or missing on what's close to a whole recruiting class one year on the defensive line. We are very thin there. And he had to adjust. One of the famous plays that Twitterverse took from that game (laughs) was we had Ryan Glasgow in a goal line situation. Ryan Glasgow, for those of you who don't know, is a... Walk-on that is a linebacker, he weighs probably about 240 pounds, and he was in three-tech on the line. And people are like, why? What is Don Brown doing, man? And so it is so open, simple. too. Like, it's just this fucking... <laughs> we walk didn't in. have any other options at that point. They were likely scoring a touchdown no matter what we did there. What Don Brown tried to do there was do his best to, from a very bad unadvantageous position is play a little bit of chess and it was probably never going to work but his goal was to get a smaller body in there that has football savvy try to shoot the gap and make something happen it didn't work but that is not don brown is dumb that is not don brown wants 240 pound linebackers that are walk-ons playing d-line against one of the most imposing fronts in college football no one is that dumb especially don brown and while he does have his faults he has tried to make plenty of adjustments. You think a 3-3-5 is his preferred defense? Hell no, it's not his preferred defense. We're running it out of necessity right now. 
And there's a lot of wrinkles and things that you can do. And you talk about the gap discipline. You're right. It was an atrocity. And that, shit that is the effort thing that I talk about that you hate so much. That is part this? of it. It's not when that. You, I just think is. the gap discipline is a bigger concern than effort. That's so all I've been saying. This is what I'm telling you. The gap discipline was in large part because of effort. I don't These think guys that, that Jonathan had plenty Taylor of games, plenty of games where they maintained their lane, where they did every single play, their assignment, play in and play out, that they didn't bite on stupid stuff that high school teams wouldn't bite on. When you start getting tired and worn down and you start giving up a little bit and you don't care as much or you just want to try to make something happen and play out of your position. You just want to get the fuck off the field. when it starts to slip. Look at Ohio State last year, all year, and they put it together at the end of the season, and you saw a completely different defense. Why? It wasn't because they didn't know what gap discipline was. It was because they finally decided to take the effort to stay, no matter what happens on that field. I'm gonna, this is my assignment. This is what I'm going to do. They're together, and I know you hate the effort thing, but they are linked so closely together. But here's why I kind of have a problem with you saying that about at least the examples I've been giving, because those two examples with that specific player that I am naming were early in the game. Jonathan Taylor's two touchdowns, that was the first quarter. And well, he was and he was jumping inside like there well, like there was a tarantula I, running with the football. He it looked was, like he was scared almost, so but he wasn't because he to, couldn't I, see. I'm, I'm trying to talk in overarching themes for the game for the most part. Players, no matter how good you are, are going to make mistakes. No one is going to be but 100% it was the same assignment sound twice. every game. And you are talking about a corner. This is not a defensive end or a middle linebacker. This is a corner. Who's for those of you that have played corner under or understand defensive schemes? Your run fits as a corner when you're running up as a run stopper are a lot more complex, and it's not rocket science, but it's not nearly as simple as this a gap is mine no matter what happens. There are reads and there are other things that happen. And yes, the one play he tried to make a play and got out of position bad. The other play that you're referencing. I honestly don't think it was his fault. I think there was a mix-up with one of the line, one of the linebackers or D-linemen. I think someone didn't rotate out of their assignment, and he crashed in. But regardless, yes, Lavert Hill had a bad game. But Lavert Hill is a veteran that has 30 games on tape of playing gap me. sound, assignment sound football. So me projecting going forward, am I worried if Lavert Hill can handle staying in his gap, especially after what he put on tape against Wisconsin. No, I'm not going to worry about that kind of thing. You said that's your biggest concern. That's not what – what is more is. relevant and is similar to the offense but for different reasons is – and we talked about this and you agreed at the beginning of the season. This defense was taking a step back. The attrition they had was huge. And they were not going to be as good as they were the past couple of years on defense, period. And there is a lot of young guys, especially on that linebacking unit that you talk so much about. There is a lot of young guys, similar to the offensive line, but for different reasons, might not fully understand what they're supposed to be doing on every play, that are going to be more prone to mix-ups. You would you think that that's going to get ironed out more as the season goes. But this was a team that was always going to have to be carried by the offense this year. Defense isn't going to be bad, but they are not going to hold every team to 10 points. So here's an intelligent question, to win. since that's what you want. Well, so, well, you've been much better the past 10 minutes, 15 okay. minutes. Okay, so here's why. So, 
just okay. before your question, really quick, I do want to respond to um, why I do think the effort thing was just a little bit bigger issue than you seem to point out when you were talking about like, hey, it's the first quarter, so why were you so sad about it or you couldn't have possibly been that sad about it because it's the first quarter. So Nick Eubanks, the tight end, um, it looks like he was talking to the Detroit News, and he was talking about after that Ben Mason fumble where it was 7-0, he said that kind of killed us, which is a ridiculous thing for a team who has not given up to right. say. And then uh, he he uh, continued after that. We just kept dwelling on that, and that just kind of sent us downhill. Again, it's 7 nothing, and Wisconsin has the ball. Even though they just took the ball from you, they had the ball at, what, like the five-yard line? So they're yeah. still pinned pretty deep. You can still get good field position out of it, even if you didn't score. Um, he said after the touchdown, that made a 14-0. When we went down 14, I looked around at a couple players dropping their head. So, again, that is the first quarter, and that's why I think the effort thing was such a big deal, and it's the biggest thing that I do pin on Harbaugh and, you know, just kind of the coaching staff in general is that team got down early, and that's when it looked like they gave up. And they're like, well, this is going to be a long day at the office. You know, it's 14-0, and there's six minutes left in the first quarter. And John Runyon said similar things. Uh, leader of the offensive line said very similar sentiments. And that's what I talked about. And that's why I said I hate the word momentum, right? Because everyone talks about momentum in sports. And for the most part, it's a fabrication. There is very little statistical uh, evidence to actually support the notion of momentum. But, but that's why college it does is so matter, good because it does exist. When you have a mentally fragile team. And that's what I said. Michigan folded like a table at a Buffalo tailgate at the first sign of adversity. And I brought up those examples, the fumble, then they marched back 14, nothing. Then it looked like we were going to answer again, the call that ended the drive. So we didn't respond to it. And it is crazy. And it's such a problem. But Dylan says it's not a problem. As much of a problem. As much of a problem. Now you're creating strong. As much of a problem. I apologize. I am sorry. You said it's not as big of a problem. I I don't think it. And here's why, because I had a question and this is why I am saying it because I have reasons for this because again the effort i i'm not with you about the the michigan state thing i think last year's team proved to me that michigan whether you do or not cares about the michigan state deal the way that every state fan has secretly been pining for i don't think effort's going to be a problem what i do think is a problem it's the reason why i said that the defensive gap integrity and just the way that the defense had played against that run offense why I am concerned, we have talked about the schedule. And moving forward for this year, you said you brought parallels to the Penn State team of 2016. I have no faith that that is going to be the case because I think this defense, specifically against Iowa, Illinois, hopefully Michigan State, I won't I won't pray on that, but possibly, let's just, <laughs> maybe, Ohio State with J.K. Dobbins, Notre Dame is more of a passing team, but let's just use those four are teams that run the ball very well. And if your defense is doing those things, effort or not, and they are still making those mistakes against those offenses, Iowa in two weeks, if something doesn't turn around, you guys have laughed at me this entire time about that Iowa game, and then Paul changed his tune to his credit. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We laugh at you about Iowa because of how good you think Iowa is. I am like how very much vindicated in that so far. Mm-hmm. And I am telling you, in two weeks, if your defense pulls the same crap, Iowa is going to win the time of possession in particular by at least 10 minutes, and, and, will, the and they will win. So that 
is a perfect way to wrap this up as I ask a couple questions and get to the main point of this entire thing is, first of all, that harkens back to what I said at the very beginning. If Michigan plays the way they've played the first three games, if they don't improve, that's a 7-5 and five team this year against this schedule. And it could theoretically be worse, but I expect them to get a couple bounces even if they play the way they've continued to play. But the first question I would ask you guys do you really, in any realm of reality, based on the reasons for the struggles, not envisioning this getting better in a hurry? I am very serious. I think that you're going to drop that Iowa game. It's good. Well, I'm not. I'm. T- I'm talking about in general over the course of a season because they could uh, drop the Iowa game and run the table. What, what not, do you constitutes happen, getting better, though? So the first thing is the defense. So now, now I, getting I, down I, by thirty-five. The, the one thing, the absolute one thing that I cannot possibly pretend to project and nobody could unless you had a crystal ball which is a bunch of horse shit is is this team mentally going to right, get it together right, right. that thing you you can't project no one can say oh they're gonna it's gonna click they're gonna stand up to adversity harbaugh's gonna light a fire under their ass you don't know coaches can say and do all the right things and maybe For this sure. team's mentally weak and can't change i don't know so i'm gonna leave that off the table i don't know what's gonna happen with that sure. but i look at the defense and if you look at the defense first few weeks all the mistakes they've made, all the injuries they've had, if the offense just plays to 60% of expectation, would the defense have looked a lot better? I don't think so. For sure I, they I, would have. I don't know, I, I don't know about I last don't. game. Especially like Especially. after the first quarter and we talk about effort. Like Wisconsin right. obviously drove down. and. Well, I'm assuming the effort is there, of course. Right, and which if, is what well, I've been saying. That's but thing. that's so why if my the other offense holds up their end of the bargain – I don't think that they matters. They really shouldn't be quitting. I, do, I think this so defense that's fine. is going to so be a So you don't think problem. that matters. So I think the offense is going to improve, and I think anybody that's ever been around a football team would tell you that it's okay. complementary football. If the offense improves, okay. that's going to help the defense. You can argue to the degree, but everyone would say that helps the defense. The defense is going to get healthy. Michael Duomfar is going to play this week, and he's going to be absolutely 100% against Iowa. The young guys, especially in the linebacking unit, are going to get more practices, and more starts under their belt. They're going to understand the scheme a little better. You you yourself said the whole history of both under Don Brown and Michigan, we haven't seen this lack of gap discipline. We haven't seen these blown assignments. So even if you don't think they're going to be nearly the level of years past, you have to admit it's going to be better. They're not possibly going to be as bad an assignment as they were against Wisconsin. Well, that was an all-time bad right. game. So, so, okay, no so that was shit. an all-time so, bad game, and they got so ran. So they're going to be better but, than Ohio State. But, but I think it's more symptomatic of problems moving forward, though. I don't but, think it's going to be that bad. But uh, that here, was, here, this is part of the reason why I said that the effort isn't as big of a deal because I think one facilitates the other. Because you, you're talking about we don't know the mental fabric of the team, and I agree. But let's say in a hypothetical that you're in a tight game against Iowa, and then all of a sudden, because of these issues we've been talking about with the defense, a big play is given up, then the effort portion comes into play. That's why I think it's such a big problem because Michigan as a team have – rarely ever had an an instance in a team where discipline and in things that are outside of just hey this guy's good or bad like like actually how the players understand their assignments and how to stop the opposing teams as you have always said don brown loves to control to control the games right so what happens when you have a defense that for most of your games can't do that then what happens with that effort well a lot, we saw a lot of what happens on Saturday. That's but what I'm saying. That is a lot of 
a personnel issue. Some of it will get better throughout the year. You're going to get Michael Dwan far back. Chris Hinton and Mozzie Smith, two highly, highly regarded kids that are coming in close to college ready, will be ready to get meaningful snaps. They came in in the fall. Actually, one of them came in in the spring. Chris Hinton came in in the fall. They're going to get more snaps. That's going to show up the interior of your D-line. Your linebackers are going to get more experience. Your corner, your secondary is really good. We, we have a fine secondary, and I'm not worried about their gap integrity. They'll be fine. Regardless of how much you think it's going to improve, it's going to improve. There's no realm of reality that you could possibly say by the end of this year this isn't going to be a top 25 caliber defense, which is oh, plenty. LeVert Hill pulling a Johnny Adams. <laughs> Look, all is, world one year. <laughs> that's that's plenty good enough if the offense holds it's up there of the bargain. In, in Remember how bad Johnny Adams was The biggest Michigan hater in the world. You guys know, would you? Would either of you say that last year Michigan didn't have one of the best offensive lines in the Big Ten? I don't remember. Probably. They were one of the better teams in the Big Ten, so it <laughs> they, goes hand They in had hand. a super good offensive right. line last year. Their offensive line should be better this year. Do you really think that they're going to be completely clueless to the scheme in Week 10 and 8 and 6 so that, and 12? I do remember you blamed the entire Ohio State loss on Beatty. True. Beatty and Runyon, they were terrible in pass protection, but that wasn't yeah. that's you, the offense have, wasn't uh, why we lost that game. When anyways. you have Chris Young very lining up across from me and Kenny Willickis and uh, and oh, what's the what's the cat's name from AJ, AJ Espino, Espinoza? Oh, Espinoza. but that's where that's where we're much that's improved at be. this year. Is we have the ability to pass protect. It's all about getting the scheme down. It's not about the pass. You you were just saying the run the run portion of it. I have no faith that Shea Patterson and Dylan McCaffrey being thrown into the fire are going to be able to salvage your season if you can't Dylan run McCaffrey the ball. And I don't know where he's at right now. Right. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> that's where the staff has to take the ball out of Shea's hands because clearly I mean, they can't. That's and put like, it in who? Injured Zach Charbonnet? <laughs> no, 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 that's not what right. I mean. That's not what I mean. I mean when he's on the field, but don't leave it up to him to do a lot. So Shea, Shea Patterson is the way he reads a defense is the way Dylan reads our Facebook Messenger chat. It's, what is this today? I get just that you lost by 21, absurd but enough. How Ooh. little he sees. It's oh, I just saw the McCaffrey. So, I mean, you had a play. Oh, my God. You yeah, had a play bad. where Nico Collins, a really, really good receiver, oh, who just 50-50 balls are like 90-10 balls with him. His receiver fell down on a route. Or, I'm sorry, his 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 corner, oh, yeah, the corner fell yeah. down on the route. And Shea Patterson's answer to that was to chuck the ball into double coverage on the other side of the field. Now, it is easy to nitpick a couple plays like that and say, and you know, you don't know what the reads were on the play. He has no ability to see the field. A good quarterback, regardless of what the reads are, sees most of the field. The only exception I'll give is when you're rolling out to your side. And then which is why I don't like that because it cuts off so much of the field. But time after time after time, Shea has no idea what's going on downfield. None at all. Has so many underneath routes open, crossing routes. Everyone's like, why doesn't Michigan run crossing routes? We do. Shea doesn't throw them. He just ignores them so that he can chuck the ball up in double coverage and or just bomb guys 10 feet past where they're running the route. That's well, what Shea does. you hope for DPI. So, well, you can't get DPI on uncatchable balls, dude. You gotta, yes, it's got to be at least close. I mean, come on, man. So that's where Shea Patterson is not going to be the quarterback that people want him to be, period. No matter what you do with the hmm. offense. No matter how the, much the time you, he has. you wanted him to be. No matter how much time he has. It's not going to happen, period. So what you have to do is you have to change his responsibilities and you have to make the game play for him rather than him trying to play the Choked game. Choked on air. He's not going to be able to do it. And... 
what I hope, and I don't know, and this is the most upsetting part of Saturday to me, and this is not hyperbole, not even a little bit. It wasn't getting crushed. It wasn't the loss. It wasn't all the fire hardballs. It was none of that. The most upsetting part of Saturday was a completely unnecessary cheap shot that injured Dylan McCaffrey. Because had Dylan McCaffrey not gotten literally knocked out, Shea Patterson would never have seen a meaningful snap barring oh, injury. That's not Michigan where again. I thought you were going with that. I was ready to pounce. Period. <laughs> Dylan McCaffrey would have finished that game. He would have started at Rutgers. He would have got uh, his feet wet against Rutgers. You're not playing at Rutgers. It's at home. Against Rutgers. I don't care where we play. Doesn't matter. Uh, oh, I do because if that it game were at, does not matter at, where we play, no matter how bad we play. If it were at Rutgers, you'd win by seventy. <laughs> we did. We've done that before, actually. What could what could concern you against Rutgers? Like if you guys only win by like ten? Uh, Rutgers has shown a propensity to be able to like play offensively so, vertically I, I in was a way they haven't in a do while. this more during the picks. But less than a twenty point mid win means this team just still doesn't get it at all. I think um, that uh, what enough. is there any, is there anything left? Because the last thought that I have, no, I'm gonna in. wait later in the season. I'm done. Because I, 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 again, I the only thing I'll say, and I'm shooting my shot right now, is because of the way this defense is played. I think Iowa is a grave concern, and this Which could is, get real. So bad. the way this team has played, every game on the schedule outside of Rutgers is a grave concern. Every single game, you cannot count any game off of the schedule as a guaranteed win. The way they've played. I expect that to change. I just spent an hour telling you why I expect that to change. I mean, it's like we said, seven and five football team. If they don't improve, but they're they're going to improve. They have to improve, and I've laid out but all the you, reasons why they will. But do you think they'll improve enough to beat that team though in two weeks? I have no idea. I can't possibly answer that question. No one, no one can answer that question. I this can. coaching staff cannot answer that question. Hello. You don't know how fast <laughs> are they going to pick it up? Is the light going to go on? I mean, Rutgers should build confidence, but is it going to be enough? What about when they get punched in the mouth against Wisconsin? When Espinaza derp and derp blitzes through the line and takes Shea Patterson's head off? How's this team going to respond? I, I mean, no. so I, I, I can't answer. What I would ask you guys is what possible, just to close this, what possible justification could there be to say after that game that we need to move on from Jim Harbaugh? Ooh, I do, I do, I do. Because, you, you, are, because you are getting into dangerous waters where you may turn into Nebraska by 2020. But why? So do you really think if the Gattis experiment doesn't work and this team's an abomination, you think – Jim Harbaugh's going to let him call play for five years and let the program That's not run what into I the said. That's, That's what I'm saying. It's I, not going to happen. So I, no, I, don't I see think that I think that I think that unless there is some drastic improvement in some total, whether it's Gaddis or whoever, if if we're getting in closer to ten year term here and you have nothing to show for it, you are getting into dangerous Nebraska. Tennessee well, that's fine, levels. but that's five years from now. So I mean, they just. The justification okay. for firing Harbaugh is if Colin Cowherd is right and Michigan and Harbaugh are only, you know, maximum for 10 wins a year. Because that's not what I think. I think they are. I think they're Nebraska. That's what so, I'm saying. Not very many programs reach 10 wins a year. I can name and, a lot Right, of but them. You're, you're Michigan for going yeah, and also and also you're Michigan. We've like, talked right? about this at length before. The ceiling of this team is probably lower than Ohio State's. So if you're the second best team in the Big Ten and you consistently lose to Ohio State and you beat them once in a blue moon, which I know Harbaugh hasn't even done yet, but if you're consistently worse than Ohio State and you mostly beat everybody else, that's what Michigan is. 
But that Who, okay. What but, kind and of I, person but, is going to say that? But you always lose to Ohio State. But here's another thing: you also are are have a much more nuanced opinion of the status of your program than everyone else. And in fairness, you have a more nuanced stance today than you had three, four years ago. I remember you talking about Michigan like they should be winning national titles every year. You have changed your tune. Into well, your credit, that is gross hyperbole. I'm telling you, Ryan can attest to this. You I mean, were I, like, so he was my, predicting national titles. No, so I predicted one in what I really meant because I got excited in the moment. I meant making the playoff. Okay. Uh, I think uh-huh. it's foolish to no, you look. And I, I'm, 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 I, I am again am giving you credit. I think that the the a- attitude around the Michigan program since since forever is that you are on the level of every national contending team all the time. And I think that's just simply not true. Well, it's I think you're it right, but sense. again, that's not what Michigan is. If but I, but that's never, but that's never been the way that people treat the program. So, so here's that's the problem the I have: is you're right about that, but you have that side of things, and then you have the Mike Valeni side of things. So people either say that Michigan is at that level, which they're not. Or they act like Michigan is an also-ran that's no different than Michigan State. But how many Michigan people associated with the program would admit what you have? That's what I'm saying. No. Nobody's happy with what we have. So if but that's not what, I'm, if that's not what I asked. Two, if we are a Tier 2 blue blood behind Alabama's and Ohio State's of the world, which is what this program really is, that's not acceptable for anybody. The people that think Michigan should be better and the people that want to put Michigan down because they're not beating Ohio State and Alabama. There's no I, – I haven't heard anybody, literally anybody, outside of maybe Coward, say what this program actually is. And it's not – everybody acts like it's some bad thing that well, to be I, the I, second I, best team in the Big Ten. Because country. of the way everyone acts about the program, hearing that – it, for, it, it's good because you're finally realizing what but I that's, think that's all of us have been trying Potter. to tell it's you. Not, this isn't the NFL. It is nowhere near the same playing field. It's so different from institution to but, institution. But, okay, hold on. And I don't need you to start doing the whole, oh, well, it's because we, we do things clean and all this garbage. It, it's not just that. Well, that's take Michigan it. State, for example. Well, could you ever expect Michigan State to be at that level? To be a blue to be at, year in and year what, out? To be no, at your level be, or to be at Ohio State? Because I think we could be at your level easy. No That's way. But for, for Michigan to only be number two every year, for them, that shouldn't be good enough. Like You have to eventually I, no, get see, over but the hump. Ryan, even, if where, even if it means that you have a lower – Even if it means you have a lower floor but like a higher ceiling um, you know, just with somebody else like Jim Harbaugh, that's why D'Antonio has been so – successful at Michigan State because he's <laughs> until now right because he's been able to be better than just third or fourth in the Big Ten which is so probably Ryan, where Michigan State should Ryan be anyway he's able to get over the hump a couple but of I don't times. like no but see I gotta I gotta call on Ryan for the for this crap because I well, it's you, a philosophical thing it is simple well, because you so say you say that the three and nine season but also a Big Ten title. Well, that's not even my problem with what he said. My problem with what he said is that he thinks that Michigan should aspire for more. And as I have attested forever, you are not that and you never were. But everyone around the program thought you were. But you're not, if that makes sense. So, I know no, that's I'm saying that, 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 you shouldn't that, just that, settle that. to be number two. I said like, this. You but that's, who that, but that's reality. The they so are, number, they are closer to the Nebraska and Tennessee. was hired. It's okay. the truth. The day Harbaugh was that doesn't mean they can't get title proclamations. They can't get there a couple. The bar for this program needs to be 
in contention for the Big Ten on the last day of the season every single year. But, and, year and, okay, see, not, I think the only on. reason I think that's a little weak is because you always play the best team at the end. Well, that's why it's so important. Like, well, like if on. you played so, them in the middle of the year, <laughs> even if your team are the same, I, uh, no, you'd be but out I of get contention. What you're, uh, but I get so what Paul's on. saying. He's Let not finish, saying though. that because Ohio State is the last game. Just the principle of you are in contention and, You're and in contention the last, the last game, no matter season. who it was, if it was Over Notre Dame course, or uh, Maryland or whoever. Any year that you don't get to that level is a failure. That year is a failure. So here's my seventeen was a failure. If we're not there so this here's year, the problem that I have because you jumped on my throat saying that Michigan State couldn't do that. I think that's a, a benchmark for Michigan State that's very easily attainable. Absolutely, it is. The so problem is Michigan's oh, been there three out of four of Harbaugh's years. Right, and I think and, and but he hasn't as even built this right, but the but the, okay, no, for, all right, I'm not getting into that because well, we, no. So here's what. So this is where part. no, no. Hold on. No. So let me clarify that because I prop, understand you're upset. You're, Harbaugh's been here five years. What do you mean he hasn't built a program? No, so no, no. Right I just don't think that you're you're gonna sit there and all of a sudden just like it, just like you've said about other programs, you're not gonna sit there and turn the switch and all of a sudden now everything is gonna change to where you're gonna make the so playoffs. So that's where you either this are is another or philosophical difference. So this is where. It's very snowball-y. And it's honestly, the, the Michigan program is the same thing that's emblematic of this team. That's why Michigan blows out teams and gets blown out. It, part of it's the mental thing, but you we're a very snowball-y program. What are you talking about? They just got blown out. Are you being sarcastic? They've been blown no, out no, three no, of the last five No, 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 for real, for real. For the other Wisconsin, than the Florida, last three games. Ohio no, State. I'm talking about as a program in general, that's not a thing. Penn State you, you, 2017. Ah uh, man, I may I guess maybe you are. I've always been under the impression that uh because you're always favored and like Iowa game comes to mind, right? Like they they definitely outplayed you, but it was only like what, a four point game, right? Well I, don't know. Well, I mean whatever. it literally took a fluke on a kick return that was like It dropped. took the power of the water but, tower. <laughs> um anyways, my point is so you're in contention at the end of the season every single year. Over the course of ten years, you're gonna win a couple of those games. I promise. You're not going to lose to Ohio Spoiler State. Spoiler alert, you you're, haven't. You're going to win a couple of those, which means you're yeah, also you going to win the Big Ten. You five years, too. And if you win the Big Ten, <laughs> you're probably going to go to the playoff. And that's where things start to change from Michigan. Unless you're 20, I, you, unless see, you're you say that. Penn State. So Michigan or, or right now is stuck in this years. rut <laughs> of a end-of-the-road top-10 caliber program right now. The only way they're going to break through that rut is when they win the Big Ten. And then things will start to snowball. And the, the extra talent that they need to get over the like, hump, they have plenty of talent. You believe that's going to happen, of talent. and I don't. I, so, you don't follow recruiting the way I follow recruiting. That's what happens. Last year, last year would have been it. Last year, but we weren't good enough. We were not there. We have <sighs> to get, if we had the breakthrough last year, we go to the playoff, and it's an avalanche. It's a snowball effect. And but that's again, how but here's what, here's why line. this it's is a problem. Way. This is, but here's the reason why I keep I keep bringing up these two schools because your exact attitude is the same thing these pro- those two programs keep having. Nebraska and Tennessee are doing the same shit where they keep believing, oh, just one more guy, oh, just uh, this one thing, oh, this uh, one thing, and we'll be fine again. And they aren't, and they never this is will why I'm be. So philosophically different from Ryan, Tennessee and Nebraska aren't doing what Michigan's done. They've lost and lost and lost like a million games every year for forever now. Michigan is winning most of the games they should win. Michigan's floor is high right now, which I understand it's not good enough for most people, but that's what you have to do at a pro- at Michigan is you win your 9-10 games a year 
And you're constantly working towards breaking through to the this next level. This is all the more reason why when you say that – when I said Michigan State could easily be the same benchmark. Like, your benchmark is not hard. We did it. It's the only – and here's the thing. Again, and this is something where that I think is a little – a little dishonest if you're going to sit there and say, oh, well, because Jim is here, now that's why Mark isn't doing it. We all know the truth, which is Michigan State teams have not been bad enough to not contend. It's because of Mark's coaching decisions. If Mark were the Mark of 2010 to 2015, we would still be doing but that's this. Part it's of, not because you exist. But that's part of you existing so, is not, But you existing is not the reason we're not getting I, I didn't say – well, so here's the thing where we have a huge disagreement on. Regardless of Michigan's presence, Ohio State's presence, whoever, the football landscape in general period of even eight years ago is completely – even five years ago is but completely that, different. again, is, is not the reason the, we're not contending. It is. It's is not. No, so this is what I don't like. It's not one thing. There's so many variables in any given thing. A huge Our coach it, not knowing what a 21st century offense is while we have had top 10 defenses school, every what year. If school, Scored 31 points. What if your school was willing to spend big money and went to your coach and said, this isn't good enough, get the guys in here and retain the coordinators. Right, but, that, be but again, that oh, has nothing like to do. Were. Are you kidding but me? That, but that has nothing to do with you. Our but, athletic no, program, no, no. spending money but or not, is independent of all of those things. But and also, in f- what that is indicative of, of the is the level you can get to. You are not going to get to that level of contention on the last day of the season, every single season, if you don't do those things. It will never happen. You will have years like three and nine, and seven and five. And look, this dude is obviously not a great individual for the things that had occurred. However, just if this individual had taken the role and the Nasser thing had not existed, if Mark Hollis was our AD still, I definitely think the changes would have occurred. The fat problem is, is we have Bill whatever the shit, Mark and it's Hollis because was Mark your AD for three and nine though. But he also wasn't here whenever Mark just shuffled the cards, and that's why that's my problem with oh, well, Michigan so State can't do that. Year after three and nine, he didn't make changes. But again, my but it, but all you're doing is making my argument. It's Mark's decisions are the only reason that have have made this program and then they won drop the way it has. Everybody got hyped. But right, how but they are got, you no, as they a program bombed. that doesn't make the investment going to getting well, that's why the better coach, than Mark and retain okay, coordinators well, better than uh, uh, so here's my so here's my question. So your benchmark that you said contention at the last the, the last game of the year, which we can pretty much just morph to there's going to be one game on your schedule that will decide if you're contending or not, right? So if we got we talked about this last week, if Michigan State got Luke Fickle, absolutely I think that that, that benchmark is something Michigan so, State can and will attain. This wasn't the conversation but I'm fine going there. The benchmark to me for Michigan State is one game back of that. Okay. You're, you're, a, you're in play to be a game out every single year. But you're never I'm winning with, less I'm than with Dylan, games. but you're that's because we've we've grown up during the you know most successful area of Michigan State football. And that's where I 60s. think there's a little bit of Hubris is not the right but word. But you don't. But yes. you're you're equating it to a weak Big Ten, and it's an argument I fucking I'm not, despise. I haven't. First of all, I haven't said that word tonight, and it's you know that it's a fruitless discussion because we will never philosophically agree on what 
the landscape was back then versus now, which is but fine. no. But I'm giving examples of why now, even though the Big Ten is stronger, which we all agree, you the reason had, is not because the Big Ten is is stronger. It's because our coaching staff. You guys is had a dumb. four or five year stretch in which every single possible six star years. aligned. Six years, every and you can't single, say that for six seasons. Every single possible star aligned, and you had a magical run, the best that you've had since you integrated black people into your program. I don't, I don't know that Urban going to Ohio State is exactly right. stars aligning for us. <laughs> right. He got there in 2010, and that was aligning with when he we had our best there, run. I think in 2012 because he went undefeated this first year. Yep, and it didn't count. <laughs> so and they didn't play us the first year. That helped. No, 2011. 2011. My bad. It was 2011. It's got to be 2012. He went undefeated in 2012. No, because the 2010 well, year was the he's year seven where and we. He's 7-0 against Michigan, so it should be pretty easy to. But Urban Meyer is absolutely not seven and all against Michigan. He has two L's to Michigan, so you can all right, off on that. All right, all right. No, look. The point at, is, at is that, that the, your argument is that oh well, we're just wearing rose-colored glasses I'm not because we went through that. Glasses. I'm saying that rose you saw glasses. you saw an insane <laughs> amount of success in a short time that I and I also saw we will never co- agree on, but I very much believe was circumstances that can never be replicated. But how can you say that when our coaches literally do? Okay, so you, here, I'll give you, a, I'll give you an inverse that I because think you can't disagree with. Stop, stop, yeah, stop, uh, and listen. Ohio State, twenty twelve, twenty eighteen. There you Thank go. You. So, so here's the here's where I have a real issue with what you're saying, though, because you said all the stars are, were aligned for us during those years. Fine. Our coach is doing the exact opposite, doing literally everything to make us fail. So how is that not equally relevant? <laughs> It is relevant, and the fact That's that no it's point. gone on, and the fact that you've tanked like this is emblematic of your program. But if Why we you- have an individual like Luke Fickle, which I think all of us agree would be the argu- probably the best hire for the program, and we got someone like that, you're telling me we couldn't achieve those sort of results Mark's again? Still being here with this staff this year is your program in a nutshell. How long? But if he did retires, Rod and- have. They were bad hires, but they were shown the door as soon as it was. Uh, but, as but, but you're, okay, but also they didn't do the same thing Mark has done. He's doing it on goodwill, which I, and also success, and also we, I am the wrong person to talk about this because you know I would have kicked Mark out after 2016. I know you would have if you were running Michigan State and you could control the budget. I think you might have the level that you talk about. I but greatly appreciate reality. that. That is bold as hell, though, and I would never claim that I'd be able to do that. I don't do think that. it's bold but as hell. The only thing you would care about is the football program, and you would pour money into it, and you would demand success, and as soon as it wasn't being there, you'd be like, But if we were to able to land Luke Fickle, I think that your benchmark of being in contention for the Big Ten is something Michigan State can't achieve. That's all I'm saying. So, Michigan hasn't even achieved it yet. They're close. They're they're almost there. I, I don't... Michigan uh, is not anymore. Back. Really, it's semantics. Regardless. I think that well, but I think that games like this bring out this discussion a lot more because it's questioning your place in the universe. Which I'm fine with this because a, it's been good discussion, and b, it's the most misunderstood thing about Michigan football. It's the thing that nobody, you're everyone's polar opposites, and they're both missing the mark. Like both sides just completely miss the mark. This team is, should and is the second best program in the Big Ten. Period. And that's uh, what, speaking that's what they of need Michigan to be State, will. We'll find out after the first week in October if they're uh, when Ohio if good or State not. legitimately jail sexes. So us I know. So I know team. Ryan. I'm it's sure he's been so itching bad. to do this. Ryan had a fun idea for a new segment we're gonna do. There we go. 
Yeah, you music. didn't follow the rules, but yeah. <laughs> what rules? You had to share four links and you, you didn't. Trash. Oh man, I'm dying. I'm. I shouldn't even be podcasting so, right now. I, I can't even breathe. Uh, you left work at like twelve thirty today. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to more die. time than anyone else. To die. So how many, well, Ryan? First off, how many of these do you have? have? Well, explain to the audience what we're doing. Four from me and four from you. Explain to the audience what we're doing, so they have an idea of what the hell's going on. Get the, so get the music, new man. Let's go. But I'm done. So we got a new segment called "Whose Man's Is This?" Yeah. Where basically we take. Takes opinions, quotes, whatever you want to call them, from pundits around the country. Uh, there's some columnists on here, some radio guys, some big national guys that you know, Colin Cowherd, Paul Feinbaum's, people like that. Essentially, we're trying to find out whose man is this with their takes because these guys are in the forefront of the sports media. A lot of times they have some pretty big opinions. We're going to find out if we agree with those opinions or not. We're just going to rea- react right. to them. Fair enough. So the first one is from one of my favorite ESPN personalities, Mr. Bomani Jones, who says the NCAA needs to stop acting like Reggie Bush does not exist. They're getting into a pissing match because Reggie Bush has never admitted any wrongdoing back at USC, and he hasn't given back his Heisman Trophy either. So they're trying to phase him out of everything that has to do with USC football, even though he's one of the best players to ever come out of that program. Okay, that's total cockamimi bullshit, and I've always been on this because Reggie Bush is my man's, although he, he's really bad on that Fox broadcast, but the, the reason why this bothers me about the NCAA thing, and it's what Bo Mommy Jones is kind of getting at, there is a specific example of the identical thing to what Reggie Bush did, and the NCAA didn't care because Cam Newton was the entirety of the 2010 college football world. Cam Newton, for everyone who has had it swept under the rug because the NCAA didn't do a crusade against him, he had the exact same circumstances, and his Heisman was not taken from him. Auburn did not lose their national title because right then and there, Cam Newton was everything to so the sport. So you agree with Bobani, which was not clear when you first started. Yeah, oh, oh, you, you said I'm this sorry. is cockamamie bullshit. <laughs> uh, Even my, when my, I was my reading bad, it, you were bad, like, bad. damn right, and I was this, like, oh, this is my This is my like complete 360. Look, this has been my thing forever, is the inconsistency of the NCAA when it comes to this situation. Reggie Bush's name has been slander, slanderized. The USC team, that program at that time, who played in the NCAA's best game and possibly saved the sport in 2005, and they want to do this to him, but they won't do it to Cam Newton, even though Cam Newton did it you identically. Cam Newton with the dollar sign. Hi, so Dylan is talking about things that he absolutely has no proof of. What do you uh, mean proof? The NCA did an investigation during the Heisman. Cam Newton was literally found to be not culpable. Now, whether you agree with that or not is completely up to you, and you can you can Twitter courthouse all you want. And I'm I don't have I, I'm not going to go strong one way or the other. Cam Newton probably did cheat, but he was found to have not cheated, and he was found not culpable with what happened. And as far as that, his name is clean. And regardless, yeah, it is inconsistent. Everything's inconsistent about the NCAA. Have you seen how they give out waivers lately? But at the end of the day, and I love Reggie Bush. I absolutely love Reggie Bush. I actually have a signed rookie Saints card of Reggie Bush, which is worthless because his career didn't live up to shit. But It's because Brian <laughs> Dawkins killed um, him. I really love Reggie Bush in college, but at the end of the day, he cheated. He got caught. He's being punished as a cheater. 
why would I want them to bend that? Why in the world would I want? I mean, this is just the most absurd thing in the world. Hey, it's not a big deal. We think athletes should be paid anyway, so let them get away with it. Listen, I don't care if you like the rule or not. You might think it needs to be changed, but at the end of the day, he, he did really the shit that he USC wasn't did. supposed to do. Also, yeah, why are you saying Reggie? But, so wait a minute. So what about what what Reggie did? What what did he do exactly? Because I know what happened in that situation, and Reggie had nothing to do with this. What are you talking about? Reggie Bush did not get the uh, the improper benefits. Improper benefits. His family did. From he USC. Reggie had nothing to do with that. As far so as I, I am aware, from I, everything I've I read, off, he did not even know that they were receiving Melania that. Trump, because I want to build a pass. You telling me Donald's not culpable? So, okay, so why is it that you're doing that with Reggie, but not with Cam? I didn't do the investigation into Cam. It's not my job to be the judge. But they then why are you sitting there? They Reggie either. They but why? They yeah, exactly. So you're saying it for Reggie Bush, but you're not for Cam Newton. Who am I? They said his dad. They they said his dad didn't take money. Who am I to say? It wasn't his dad anyway. It was his uncle. Having dad, uncle, whatever. Who am I having <laughs> dad, seen? uncle. None of it, having not conducted an investigation, having not... So why are you doing it for Reggie, then? Because he was found guilty. His family was found guilty. His family, not him. Why is his name it is being slanderized I just decades after? Why. It is the same... I'm going to go to Claire, and I'm going to I'm gonna pay her off this so is, that I, is, I, I can get some kids so on the why lowdown this? from the Humane Society. You're not culpable for that? You're not involved? That money might make its way to you. But again, if you're doing that principle for Reggie, but not for Cam, I just don't, I don't get the difference. Because well, he did, because Cam's uncle got benefits. It's right, proven. Ryan, Ryan, please, please help me if I'm not explaining this correctly. One you're person, not. one, one situation was found to have happened to be guilty, and the other situation was found to, to not have happened to be not guilty. How do I'm you not up the literature? Because you saying not guilty is just not painting this correctly. I, that's literally what happened. They said this didn't happen. He didn't get money. Well, what do you right. want me to say? The, NCAA, the NCAA didn't say, yeah, this man got money, but we're going to let it go. Nah, they said this man didn't get money. They said he didn't receive impermissible benefits. All right, here we Who go. Who am I to sit here as a couch warrior and be like, you know what? Cam is guilty. I don't know. Jack shit, but Cam is guilty. I know that they found him not guilty. I know oh, Reggie Bush okay. is guilty. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The the, okay, this is from 2011. Auburn released documents related to the NCAA's investigation into the recruiting allegations surrounding surrounding Cam Newton. The documents indicate Newton's father, Cecil Newton, and ex-Mississippi State player Kenny Rogers, his uncle, sought from $120,000 to $180,000 for the quarterback to sign with the Bulldogs out of junior college. How is that not proof? That's in documents that Auburn gave to the NCAA. I'm sorry, where did that say his his uncle and dad took money? They were trying didn't to... Say, didn't it say they sought out money from Mississippi State? Isn't yeah, that what he just read? Yeah. That's why... And that's where it came they, from. They, they asked for 120000 from uh, I the fake MSU. the key word that you said there was indicated. And I don't know if you know what burden of proof is, but an indication is not proof. And again... It has nothing to do with whether he probably did it. He probably did get paid. 
the point is, I'm not sitting here and playing judge like I have some special place in society and I know better than other people and I'm okay. not even involved no, in here, the here's situation. Here's the second, here's the second part because you wanted to say oh, about the Melania Trump thing, okay? NCA's academic and membership affairs staff declared Newton ineligible on November 30th, 2010 after determining Rogers, the guy who asked for money, indicated acted as Newton's athletic scholarship agent, violating bylaw 12.3.3. What else do you need? And he was punished for it, according to the rules. He was reinstated the next day for the NC for the SEC championship game. Come on. That was just a coincidence. Oh, yeah, 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 mother. I, I, don't, I don't understand what you're you're missing about this, because I, I thought I've been incredibly clear. I never so said sad. that Cam didn't do anything wrong. But I never you're said persecuting that. Reggie for the same not persecuting level of statute of limitations. I'm not persecuting Reggie for anything. There's documentation I, proving I that Cam Newton did this. I think it's because Reggie Bush said Harbaugh needs to leave. How much, how much, <laughs> how much, money, how much money did Reggie Bush's family get? I thought it was like a house or something. Okay, so they got a house. Say they got 500 grand because houses in California are expensive as How much money did uh, Cam Newton's family get? 200K. They got it? Because I didn't hear any documents that the said that. The documentation they money. just said it. No, 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 no. Oh That's not what the documentation said. The document said they solicited it, that they tried to get it. So after, uh, and this is just kind of funny. Um, so obviously Reggie Bush was at USC because that's where Fox was. Two, okay, two hundred and ninety thousand oh. dollars. So ninety thousand dollars more than Cam's family. Uh, uh, you're, you're again. You're missing the whole thing. There's no proof that Cam's family got money. They tried to I get mean, money. I mean, there's literal there's documentation. No I don't know what else to give you. You, you've, you've. He was suspended. He was suspended from the NCAA, but then reinstated the next day so he could play in the SEC title. Between trying to give money and getting money, <laughs> do not understand the difference. Uh, I, we need to move so, on because I'm. Not, we're not going to. This is, uh, but again, this is funny. We're not you guys didn't let me say it. But on Friday, uh, USC's running back scored. He celebrated with Reggie Bush after his first touchdown. He gave him a high five, and then uh, USC was charged with unsportsmanlike conduct. That's fucking bullshit. That's, that's pretty. pretty that's, that's, that's pretty. That's pretty quick by the refs <laughs> to know, like, oh, Reggie Bush, black. The next well, it's not one we it's have Bush. is from. Oh, uh, well, what? I mean, you can high five the fans, and you don't get unsportsmanlike conduct. Um, the next one is from. Buckeye Lion Chris Spielman, who we just spoke about Michigan, and so was he. He had some very not nice things to say. Uh, while <laughs> it sounds like he's being facetious and speaking in hyperbole, he wanted to make it clear, I'm not being facetious or I'm not speaking in hyperbole. Take the helmets <laughs> off, and I might as well turn on Central Michigan, Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan, <laughs> Bears State, Wayne State, or Grand Valley State. <laughs> he, he, went to, he went to the Grand Valley just like Paul That's asked beautiful. <laughs> I'm a little mad he didn't mention... Uh, Oakland's club football team just suffered our first <laughs> loss to Ohio State's club team, but it's okay, Chris. Oh, look, it, it's perfect trolling. Going, look, you clearly know he knows a lot about the state if he's sitting there calling about the directional. Well, Chris Bielman was gonna go to Michigan, and, and then uh, he got uh, so, Cam Newton benefits. Oh wait, no, 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 no. He there was no cheating involved. See, Chris Spielman, he doesn't, his balls—they're not on his body. Why would oh, you do His, you his dad holds there? them in the palm of his hand. And Chris Spielman was going to commit to go play for the University of Michigan. Uh, and his dad looked him in the eyes and he said, you're going to Ohio State. 
And Chris Spielman looked him back in the eyes and said, "Pretty good decision. I'm going to Ohio State. Because he is a sackless pile of shit. He's a terrible I will, commenter. I, I, I will never say that about a man who stood by his wife who had four bouts of breast cancer over ten years and he watched her die. I will never yeah, say that. Say Hold on. I never like, said he wasn't loyal. I said he's sackless. That loyal is not the term. You say sackless. That, I said you, he is That's not sackless. an easy thing to do. And he's continued the fight for that. I'm not going to slander this dude acting like because he decided not to go to Michigan. Oh, I don't care about that. If, if he wasn't one of the worst uh, analysts I've ever seen on broadcast, I actually would probably like the guy. Yeah, apparently not. All right, whatever. Next one, right? <laughs> the next one is from Mr. Paul Feinbaum, the Big Ten. Ah, ah. who He came out with rankings based on solely what teams have done this year. And Mr. Feinbaum said Auburn has been the most impressive team in college football so far. He had them number one well, in his power now we rankings know why Auburn based was on results this year. All right, Paul and, and ESPN. So who's, whose man's is that? Why me? Hey, not, not me. My, not mine. <laughs> He's not my man's. I'll tell you whose man's he is. Bo Nix's. I love Bo Nix a lot, <laughs> but I'll tell you what. ESPN is setting the stage for Tebow 2.0. Where all the talk shows are going to keep talking about him. It's a shame that Skip Bayless is on FS1 because he'd probably jump all over this dude just like he did on Tebow. But ESPN is setting the stage here because they have the SEC rights primarily. They are touting this kid up for ratings. That has to be what this is. I mean, it's not just that. Now they're shoehorning five arguably top five teams in the country that are SEC. So now every game's marquee matchup. Now they don't get punished when they lose. And we talked about this at the beginning of the season. It's perfect for them. Auburn would get the floor wiped with them by probably... 10 teams like, in the country. He, he, says, like, he says that what? like Georgia didn't just like... Huh, I, All right, that was a little bit of hyperbole. Let's say Auburn, Auburn doesn't get any credit for how well they played because they have played that well. That was a little bit of hyperbole. <laughs> talking about Auburn, him, like, Auburn has been solid. That's a little overreaction. No, I, no way, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that no, he said it was the said. most impressive he's team. He's talking about what I said. I, I, I was a little... I, I went a little too far overboard. But no, Auburn is not a top five team. And to rank not. them number one is the dumbest thing I've heard, period. Uh, if you wanted to go by impressive, I mean, Ohio State would be up there. LSU? Wisconsin. LSU probably would be my number one, actually. Absolutely. <laughs> Alabama. Eh, no, nah, not Alabama. No, not. I, I, my I my vote is either Ohio State. Oklahoma is also close there because Jalen Hurts, my sweet o- Christ. Oklahoma, that that's guy. another one. That's a good one. Their defense has played a lot better than than what people have expected. To put that Auburn is a team. Up there is absurd. I mean, Georgia's. Yeah. To me, been better than Auburn. Like, that's hard for you to say. It is. I <laughs> fucking hate Georgia. <laughs> but I, hate next one, I he am, just hates Feinbaum more. Anything if not the, objective. The next one is my favorite one because it does have a basketball analogy in it. And since Dylan listens to Cowherd's podcast, he may have already heard. But this is I FSN One host Colin Cowherd, who said Patrick Mahomes is becoming Steph Curry. Uh, he has shifted the paradigm of the NFL, much like Steph has limitless range and has to be guarded from anywhere, to Colin Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense makes midfield. So when they're when they're at the 50 going towards, uh, going towards the end zone, they make the 50-yard line feel like the red zone for Kansas City. No matter how much they're down, they never feel out the game, much like the Warriors can go on those runs. And that it doesn't really matter kind of what the rest of the team does. One guy is so good and so different that even though you might say the Patriots check all the other boxes across the board, special teams, defense, um, at least right now with KC's skill guys tweet. being out. <laughs> I will the Cowherd's a wordy guy. And it wasn't a tweet, it was his uh it was his video. It was a second. So trying to yeah. trying to condense Cowherd is like trying to condense Paul. 
still it's still a lot. Um, but basically, one guy is so good and so different from the rest of the league that a lot of what are, that a lot of what's around him doesn't necessarily matter, and he's just gonna win because because he's that dude. I, I'm gonna cover this first. So whose man's is this? This is my man's. All right. I love Colin Cowherd more than anybody else on this podcast, and it's not close because I listen to talking nice about Steph. He's my man's too. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. But yeah, I listen to the to the Herd podcast all the time. I I listen to it every single day for three hours. Well, it's actually two hours without commercials. But I I love the thing I love about Colin the most, and the reason why I, I, I listen to him so much. It's something I try to aspire to too. His metaphors are brilliant. It's They're by fantastic. far the best thing he does. Sometimes. And when he starts getting into the relationship metaphors. No, nah, I'm telling you, there's <laughs> nah, a lot. Nah, those ones I, will, I Well, no, but, but then when Joy Taylor comes in and then, like, molds him a little better, that's when it's better. Andre yeah, I, it's like your ex-girlfriend who was really good. <laughs> like, hold on. <laughs> but regardless, point being is Colin has such a way with metaphors. I try to do the same thing. He does such a good job, and this is another one. It's perfect. In every way. There's nothing else to it. I highly recommend everybody listen to the Herb Podcast from what would be today on Tuesday, September 24th for that full analogy. It's utter brilliance. He's absolutely right. So I'm not going to suck Cowherd's dick on this program. But I do like him very much. I've always respected (laughs) Cowherd because while I disagree with about half the stuff he says, he always presents it well. And he always has sound reasoning. Some of it's misguided. Some of it's a little Except stupid. Except for John Wall. It's like that for all of us. And he's a very good presenter. He winds up being right. And eh, say all the time. But I'm just saying, Russell Westbrook he was right about. Baker he is, Mayfield he's been right about. He is I'm right saying. as much as anybody else is right. But the way he goes about it is so much better than anybody else. Right, right, right. now, he is right. Uh, the only thing that makes me bitter about Mahomes is... And no, I'm not saying that Matthew Stafford is Mahomes' level of talent because Mahomes' oh, talent, no. like strictly talent only, you should just stop is now. the most talent that's ever been seen <laughs> in the NFL. But all this, a lot of the stuff that Mahomes has been celebrated for—the sidearm stuff, the crazy angles, well, the throwing, the throwing while he's planted sideways, and just his pure arm strength to be able to muscle throw in there from no throwing form at all. I, can you imagine for once if Andy Reid had coached the Lions? Like, I, I just... Ah, you'd be able to so, lose into the, in the uh, NFC title game. At least we'd win playoff Year after games. year. And well, we Stafford got a, we got a podcast title. Two MVPs under his belt. <laughs> Stafford would outperform Mahomes if he had Andy Reid's coach. Mahomes right probably going five MVPs under his belt. I mean, they did everything right with Mahomes. We talked about this before. They sat him for a year, didn't let him play a single relevant But again, down. about Cowherd's parallel, I think it's just brilliant. Like the way the the point about the fifty yard line, uh, you watch how Baltimore's defense played. Yeah, that, he's that, 100% that was beautiful. Right. That was so such a good call on his part. He's so right. Of course, and they can be down fourteen going into I, the I fourth, and you never feel like about you're out of segment. it. Why is it Ryan giving his opinion? He is. I'm beautiful. Not really. I mean, he he is. He's doing his thing. He's the presenter. He's Move on to the next thing. one. Let's go, Ryan. Let's I'm, on to the next. I mean, one. Most of them are most of them are interjected. The next one is Pat Ford. Uh, I think he's yeah. at Yahoo now. He's he's bounced yes, he around, is. but uh, re- respected one, uh, respected <laughs> journalist, if you will. To you. In the midst of the SBI investigations, the NCAA is more likely to go after blue blood programs for 
Yeah, let me try that again. In the midst of FBI investigations, the NCAA is more likely to go after blue blood programs for violations as we've just seen them hit Kansas with a lack of institutional control. And the FBI investigations might mean more stuff coming for the likes of North Carolina, Arizona, some of the programs that we consider dirtier. Can you help me understand what he's saying? So, uh, yeah, so the man's that uh, that Pat Forty is trying to be is Michigan State's apparently. His point of what he's saying is that because of the FBI investigation showing so much corruption in college basketball, the NCAA is no longer afraid because there's so much, you know, data and information yeah, they're, out there. They're, not, they're not turning a blind eye to it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they went after likely, Kansas. They were so afraid when they literally burnt Michigan's program to embers. Michigan is not so a blue blood. So for sure. On the, right. uh, but for Kansas, so, no, think about how, what it takes the NCAA right, to go after Kansas. Yeah, they're more likely to go after you know SMU or wherever so Larry Brown was at I, I than they will I think this is absolutely absurd. Here's what the difference is. The FBI did the NCAA's work for him and made it irrefutable. That's what he's like, saying. This is yeah, no, that's so not going what he's forward. Saying. What he is, is saying is that because of this big to-do whatever, the NCAA feels more comfortable like they can attack the blue blood. Right, because they did their job for them. That's what he's never been afraid to go after a Duke or a Kentucky. What it is 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 the NCAA didn't do... They, they didn't have the, this is what Coach K is doing. This is what Coach Calipari is doing. This is what Bill Self's done. They didn't have that. If they had these documents in front of them 10 years ago, they would have done the same thing. This is simply the FBI did their work for them. It's cut and dry, and now they can act on it. It's complete ridiculous absurdity, loser's mentality to be like, oh, the NCAA wouldn't touch them because of their blue blood status. Bullshit. You can take that loser shit elsewhere. Okay. On to the next one, I guess. Next one is John Canzano. He's a columnist with the Oregonian. Uh, I believe he does the radio what? out in Portland as well. Portland, Oregon. The Oregonian. It's a newspaper. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. <coughs> well, it's, it's not Oregonian. Yeah. It might be. Whatever. So, essentially, uh, Mr. Canzano said that the city of Tampa Bay does not... Well, this says does not own the Rays franchise. That's not right. So the city of Tampa Bay does not deserve the Rays franchise. They've been a competitive baseball team um, with no fan support. They've competitive this year. They went on a World Series run a couple years ago. Um, they just don't deserve them because they don't support them, and there's no uh, no fans. Well, in part of the tweet that I sent out is it has a photo that everybody should definitely take a look at. Uh, they are in the midst of a playoff run right now, and they are maybe 20% capacity. It's utterly embarrassing. It's so, awful. And so whose man is this? South Florida Heat. They, I'll tell you right now, Mr. Oregonian writer over here, the man's that he is is the city of Montreal because they are getting a baseball team back, and it's the Tampa Bay Rays, and it's stuff like this that's going to force <coughs> baseball to move that team. So the only struggle I have with this is, and I get it, and I would mostly agree, but this is kind of coming to a head, sports in general. This is an extreme example where you have a team that is in the thick of the playoffs and maybe going to do something, and they have had some success. This isn't what the Tigers were this year. I know they haven't shown appropriate support, but look at venues across baseball, other sports too. But this, this is, is not, on a different level. It is. It, this is, but this is not just limited and, to Tampa. And I think I mean, while this is a, an extreme example, <laughs> and I would I would agree. I agree with him that 
that team needs to be shipped out of there. I think half of the Florida teams could go, and you could argue half of California teams could go across all major sports. I'll tell you what. You know who else should go? You, because you're not playing this game right. Because you ain't <laughs> telling me whose man's this is. This my man's. Ma- so. Listen, mister, this is cockamamie bullshit on the first one that I actually agreed with. <laughs> This game needs to be slowly broken in, all right? We're not at the grizzly, non-grizzly level yet. <laughs> so, right. for, I'll, uh, I'll take yeah, Mr. Canzano, I do, he's my man's as well. I do think it's a little different than some other situations in baseball because there is no fan support at all, and it's a team that is playing their ass off trying to compete for a playoff spot, and they're not getting any type and of home also, field advantage. And also, not for nothing, Tampa Bay has been consistently good too. It's not like all hey, the, of a sudden low, they're well-run team. Yeah, they're phenomenal. They lost John or Joe Madden moved to the Cubs, and they haven't skipped a beat. Why does Bullshit. Florida have so many teams? Uh, population size. That's a bad reason. <laughs> I didn't say it was a good reason. You asked <laughs> the question. The no, I I just I'm acknowledging that. It's all right, right. on to the yeah. local ones. Shoot, yeah, shoot the them next off. one. Let's go. Mr. Jeff Rieger on a topic that we haven't discussed yet. Jim Harbaugh deserves to be fired and should have been after he went to his brother-in-law, Tom Crean's locker room, when Michigan was playing Indiana in hoops. I think that was 2016 or 2017. Right. He's on the fire Harbaugh train and been on there. I believe I already compared Mr. Rieger on this podcast to an inbred Alabaman. So I don't really think... Hey, you said you liked two minutes ago. No, do you remember what I said about the Harbaugh fire? 20 seconds. Yeah. To wait, be in the podcast. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know. You had to know you had to know Mr. Right. Rieger was on that. What do you mean? It is. That's what he said. I gotta, I gotta look at this because I when I read it, I thought he was doing the opposite. That's why I put oh. it in there. He's he said everyone jumping on the fire on the fire hardball bandwagon. I've been on it for years since he went into Tom Crane's locker room when Michigan got uh, ran by Indiana. I actually think we ran Indiana that day, but well, he's at okay. Indiana went on a what, like a 25-3 run or something his, like that? His first, his first sentiment rang like what Paul had said. So whose man's is this? Not Paul's. Clear, clearly <laughs> not Paul's. Definitely not mine. Not, not Paul's. His. Not man's. Not his man's. All right, now on to the hey. Well, what about you? Woo. I just told you. It's not It's not yours, so. What about you? I mean, I don't care. <laughs> Your tweet. <laughs> Uh, well, it Je- uh, look, we've always said Jeff is a fan, and he doesn't pretend like he's not, and I respect that. I do respect and him for that. Been... I really do. Well, apparently not, when you're sitting there saying he's an inbred Alabaman. Well, I can still respect really stupid people. Okay. All right, and move on. Next one. <laughs> All right. The last one, and the tweet was a little bit uh, hard to read, yeah, but it Bob, was from so. Mr. <laughs> Wojo, uh, Bob Wynowski from... Was he Free Press, Detroit News? Free Press. Free one press. of them. From whatever uh, also bottle radio. you found at the liquor store. Essentially, uh, what he said here. is the Lions have gotten lucky to start 2-0-1, and that that makes all the preseason uh, standings and preseason predictions ridiculous because luck and timing matter in football. So I think you did a bad job of paraphrasing this tweet. You can read it. No, I read the tweet. I know what the tweet says. I just yeah, don't think not, you presented it the best. It's not greatly worded, though. So, what Wojo is saying is, for all the preseason prognosticating you do based on the schedule, there's a lot of circumstances, like injuries and things that change as you go Which throughout I the season. Which I literally said when we so tried to talk schedule. it stops. It changes a lot. Like, if you picked wins and losses to begin the year, most people would have had the Lions probably 1-2 right now. 
That's what Wojo's saying, basically. So he's saying, I don't even think he was saying it's dumb to do that. I think he was saying at this point, it doesn't matter. Like, you can throw all this but stuff out. Pretty That's sure what he I says dumb. He said, ha. Yeah, and then Kyle Bogey With responded the and point. said, I don't do that. Like, mockingly. Who's <laughs> but, <laughs> but, no, who's man's? It's my man's. Because I literally said on this podcast, I did not want to break down the Lions' schedule. I had no interest in that for this exact reason. He's my man's, 100%. So... He's my man's for different reasons, and we talked about this at length. It's not about picking wins and losses as you go down the schedule, which is more what he's referring to. And I said myself when I did mine that it's a bad way to do it. That's why you assign percentages and you put it into a formula and you have X amount of chance to win each game and average it out because that accounts for things and it goes both ways throughout the season. Some teams will be better. All making will be you worse. do math problems to predict. Hey, team if success. you want to be accurate, that's what it's got to be. Five years in a row, haven't been right, more any, than a game anybody, off on the Lions. Hold on, anybody who's sitting there and being serious about that is just a loser. Okay, unless you're betting on this for your well-being. Yeah, predictions are predictions. Hold on. Mr. You only look at sports for analytics. You're not even a fan. You just like the numbers coming yeah, from I'm you. Aware. Uh, not analytics, because I clearly like college for the intangibles, you, sir. You were talking about all the, <laughs> the mental parts of the sports moment. fandom before. That was yeah, That's I'm your aware, thing. But so it, you, can't, but also, you can't have it both ways. But no, but it's because anybody who does a prediction based on record is just trying to be the smartest dude in the room. That's all it is. Well, what are you predicting? What do you mean? If you're not predicting a record, I mean, no one's sitting here like this is what I'm the record's going to be. If you're not predicting so a record, So this is a very doing? much a Paul kind of thing, but when I make it, like, for example, when I said the Bears were going to go 10-6 and six and win the division, it's because I basically was saying, in giving a number numeric value for saying the Bears to are not going to drop division, off the way. To win the division, you think the best team in the division. I get it. And, and that they weren't going to drop this off. This is what now, I got you made put any number had the conversation, and I was broad I was on discussion. your side with that. I just think that you saying... Either or, like, just be definitive about use a number to to represent your state. So regardless, Wojo's overarching point is kind of correct. <laughs> I, I agree with Wojo, though. And I do, believe that the, uh, I do believe that luck has obviously played a factor in the Lions' wins, uh, but don't apologize for it because down the line when those teams get healthy and they end up beating a team like the Packers, the Vikings, the Bears, because they all play the same teams in the division, this week, baby. That, can re- that can really help the Lions out. Speaking it's of not like we, it's I not like we have to play uh, the Eagles again. <laughs> Going to the playoffs. We need to give praise where praise is due because it's the picks time and uh, indiv- individual number one over here, Mr. Ryan, did pretty darn well, didn't he? Paul? So Ryan really, really, Ryan took our pick world by storm. Ryan was right. doing solid on the year because he was already in first place. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Yeah, he was. He was a game. game oh, yeah, he was in first place. place. I'm stupid. Yeah, was I was ahead. correct the first time, and I corrected myself. No, Street said Ryan was in <laughs> first place, but he was hanging out by a thread. Then Ryan decided that he was going to go eight and two this week in picks. Whoa, four, whoa. four and one, both college and NFL. He doesn't discriminate. He crushed them both, and he is now above 500, the only one close, and has a substantial lead on the picks. Four games over Matt and Don now. An extra game on Dylan and an extra game on me bringing up the rear. It was... Hey! Woo, it was... I didn't even do that bad last week. Like, I went four and six. Just... What'd I do? Five and five. Or, no, I'm sorry, six and four. It was hey. improvement for... Everyone was around 500 last week. Last week was one of our better weeks of picks, but 
Ryan deserves all the praise in the world because he absolutely crushed it. And he now has a commanding lead that he is going to try to hold not only this week, but for the remainder of the season. And we're going to start with the team that we've talked about for 10 hours on the podcast already. <laughs> Rutgers travels to Michigan. This game opened, and, and it seems like it doesn't matter, but it's actually key numbers here. This game opened Michigan 29-point favorites. It's been bet down to 27.5, which for you math majors out there, four touchdown win in Michigan covers. So it was actually regard. I don't even care what the point spread is because every time I think of Michigan and Rutgers, I think of Michigan winning was a 78 and 79 to zero. So I will always, always, always pick Michigan to cover the spread against Rutgers, no matter what it is. This is a different Rutgers team. And as I had alluded to before, if this were in East Rutherford, I think that they would cover the spread. Ironically, just having your home stadium be taken over, it just crushes your spirit. And Rutgers has shown a vertical threat enough to beat the spread. Not by much, but they'll beat the spread. So Matt has neglected to put his picks on in a timely manner. He abandoned us on the cast and didn't get his picks in. So shame on you, Matt. Don, however, not even being on the cast, says, you know what? I can't get my picks in because I actually care about my friends. Uh, Don has Michigan because I'm pretty sure Don will. Never pick against Michigan, if I had to guess. <laughs> Even last week. <laughs> well, I mean, I picked Michigan. Uh, he he was so confident, too. He was, though. Oh, he was so sure. I, I feel like you guys are giving me a pass, because I was pretty confident last week, too. And because it, I, I because you, it, like, we hear your justifications, whereas with, with Don, he just said, oh, hashtag undefeated. <laughs> Why? <laughs> hashtag undefeated. Okay. Well, <laughs> all logical things say this game should just be a stomp for Michigan, except the fact that I've watched Michigan this year. And it's simple. Their offense clicks this week, they win by 100. Their offense doesn't click this week, they win by 18, and Iowa's going to be a freaking nightmare if they don't click next week. Well, since the receivers got rest last week, they should be able to... uh... (laughs) I I think think I've picked every Michigan game wrong this season so far. And I know I've picked. I know I've picked every Michigan State game wrong this season so far. How'd you pick the Army one wrong? Did you? This That's is, crazy. I might not. Have. No. Yeah, you didn't. No, we 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 had that. Come on now. You would hope. No, so. I know. Paul think, was like fourteen and no, a half. Hold on. Oh yeah. I think I did change my army pick. I think the Rice oh, game scared me. I'm pretty sure I've been wrong on every Michigan game this season. This Regardless. Is, this might be another one I'm wrong on. I'm taking Rutgers because hey. – So this is like a if I bet it it's thing, just right? You, you, you hope you're wrong. Well, it's not that. I mean, I'm not no reverse psychology weirdo. But that, was, that, that was me with Michigan State last week. <laughs> so I hope I'm wrong. It, it's quite simple. Yeah, Michigan should just blow this team out of the water, but nothing I've seen so far – could lead me with confidence to say, yeah, they're going to win by four touchdowns. So I'm telling you, I, I it's going to be like Rutgers. forty. It's going to be like forty-eight twenty-one. Like, like a middle Tennessee game feeling. almost, and that'll yeah. be not enough progress, and that'll be very much worry for the Iowa game. And I hope, I God, I hope that's wrong. What should be a maybe a competitive game, although I have oh, a feeling no. that Dylan thinks differently based <laughs> on his earlier comments. Hell no. We have 18th ranked Virginia. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Michigan did not fall out of the top 25. They are ranked number 20, hosting Rutgers. to me. So we got 18th ranked Virginia traveling to 10th ranked Notre Dame, who didn't fall all that far after a loss to Georgia last week, but they're favored by a 12 and a half over Virginia. 
even though Notre Dame lost to Georgia, they put up put up a pretty good fight, and I think Georgia's a pretty good team. I did pick Virginia to win the division that North Carolina is in because North Carolina is absolute trash. But that doesn't mean Virginia's great either. There's better than North Carolina, not better than Notre Dame, and definitely not uh, 12 and a half points. Even within them, I expect Notre Dame to come back out and show the world why they don't want their college football playoff hopes to be dead just yet. Paul needs to be paying extra special attention to this game because the odds have the future Michigan Wolverines head coach, Bronco Mendenhall, who is the coach of this Virginia We're not doing this. Team. We're not doing I, this. I, you're going to need to pay attention. You know, you need to see how your future coach plays mm-hmm. against your rival. But Notre and our Dame future coach, Chip Long. <laughs> Notre Dame impressed the hell out of me. I am I, 100%. In a game at Sanford Stadium that was the largest crowd they'd ever seen, the biggest game in that stadium's history, Ian Book showed some metal. And they are going to destroy Virginia. Their playoff hopes are still very much alive. Uh, Notre Dame, probably the most impressive team out of a loss that I've seen this year. So I will take Notre Dame to cover for sure. So I picked Notre Dame to cover last week. But I think they're getting way too much credit for how they played last week. Which they played fine. They It wasn't played like they fine. were bad. But they, I think They had a very good chance to win. That. I think they are getting way too much credit. For how they played against Georgia. I don't think Georgia is all that special. I'd be more impressed had they done it against LSU. It was the environment they played in. Which is fine. That's the reason. I'm not saying that you they don't did va- bad. You don't they value that the same as way they I should have covered. But I, I just think they're getting too much credit for a loss now. But that being... Yeah. And I wanted... I'm going to kick myself for this one. I want to pick Virginia this game so bad. Everything I've, I'm looking at in the football that I've seen... That I've seen one Virginia game this season... They but should have everything lost that I look at last week, I don't understand how Virginia is the 18th ranked team in the country. Because the ACC needs a ranked team. Notre Dame is at home. They've shown a propensity to pull away from teams if they can this year. I don't want to pick them, but I have to pick Notre Dame. This spread on this next game, I mean, it's injury. I, I wouldn't why. touch this with a 10 football. It's it's all about injuries. USC, Ugh. 21st ranked USC, travels. The 17th ranked Washington. This game is going to go a huge way in deciding what happens in the Pac-12 this season. And if they have any hope at the playoff, which, spoiler alert, they don't. But Washington is a 10-point favorite over USC. And if that seems weird to you, keep in mind, JT Daniels died. Then they had this guy called Keaton Slavis. And I'm probably butchering that, but I've heard it pronounced four different ways. So whatever. He came in. All by yourself. And he looked pretty good (laughs) for USC. But then he got knocked out. And now this guy, Matt Fink, USC's on their third string quarterback. Except he balled out last week against Utah. It's actually Clay Hilton in disguise. He balled out last week against Utah and they won the game. So (laughs) tell me how USC on their third string quarterback is going to do as a 10-point dog. So me, Mr. Fink. Bomani Jones and Reggie Bush are going to roll into Washington and sanction the hell out of the Huskies. Not only are they going to cover, USC is going to win outright, just like they did against the 10th-ranked team Utah last week. Give me the Trojans. Let's go. Throw Matt Leinart on our bandwagon as well. I am a betting man, and I would never bet on any Pac-12 game. All these teams are so mediocre. It's not as bad as the ACC by a long shot, but every team is just just good enough 
that they can always, on any given Saturday, beat, e- beat each other up. On top of that, USC has had a lot of distractions with the Urban Meyer talk because now they're two, you know, on their third quarterback now. That's going to distract the program too much. I'll take future first-round NFL draft pick Jacob Eason to cover for this. It's fitting you bring up Urban Meyer because a few years ago, Urban Meyer had a third-string quarterback. He went by the name of Shotgun, and he couldn't read or write, but he won an Addy for that program, and he proved to third-string quarterbacks everywhere that it's all about when you get your time to shine. And like my compadre Don, who I'm not sure if he even knows they're on their third-string quarterback, hmm. I am taking USC because 10 points is absurd to me. <laughs> 10 points. I mean, I get the third-string thing, but – I also saw him play against Utah last week, so I kind of don't get it. And now he gets a week of game planning. Ten points, man. No way. No way. Now we go to another team that I cannot figure out. It's it's an afternoon kick, 3.30. Yeah, way there at spring. I messed up the NFL picks on times, too, so whatever. Uh, This is a team that I, just like Michigan, these Michigan teams, I just can't get a beat on because it doesn't matter if I pick with them, if I picked against them, I get them all wrong. Michigan State, I picked with them the first couple weeks, they sabotaged me. I pick against them, they sabotage me. Can't win. Michigan State's a 14-point favorite at home against Indiana, and they have re-entered the top 25 as a 25th team in the AP poll. (laughs) That's right. With Michigan State, they did burn me last week, but going even all the way back to 2003, with the exception of 2017, they absolutely bomb Indiana when they play in East Lansing. Last year, they beat Indiana by 14. This offense is better than last year's. Indiana is still not a very good team. Lewerke's healthier. Give me the Spartans, even though every time I pick them to cover the spread, they have let me down. But not this week. We're going to roll on, roll on, get some momentum for the big Ohio State game. Michigan State's going to do everything in their power to make Michigan State fans creep back onto the bandwagon, only to get utterly annihilated come a Saturday night, October 5th. Uh, Michigan State, offensively, though, we haven't talked about them at all because of the Michigan debacle. But uh, I, I tell you what, I've been on this all year. Brian Lewerke's been awesome. And it's just going to keep being that way until he sees Chris Chris Young lining up right across from him. And he's about to, you know, give him the little wahoo for five sacks in a game. But I'll get Michigan State to cover this one before they get bombed in Columbus. So last week we all picked against MSU. And it backfired. Because why wouldn't it? This week's going to be more of the same, pending Matt's pick, which I'm sure is going to be MSU. Even Don picked MSU as much as he hates and despises them. He he called Tom Izzo a bad man. Indiana sucks, dude. They're not a good football team. They just lost an offensive tackle, and your defensive line was already going to take them to pound town jail style. I don't know how they're going to score double digits against you guys, and... You know I've been a believer in your offense turning it around since before the season. And as shaky as that's looked at times, they've also shown sparks. And Indiana's not going to be the team to stop you. I, and this is this is a nice 45-9 game. 
something. So like I do that. have a I do have a nice stat for this game because I was trying to figure out the numbers. So I just didn't do it before the picks. Um, going back to 2003 when they played in East Lansing, Michigan State has won by an average margin of 26 points. Jesus. And that's a, and that's a quote unquote rivalry game. Why don't we take the old oaken bucket and just make it for the Northwestern? I'd like to clarify, I misspoke a little bit. I meant thirty nine to nine, not forty. Nine or forty-five, whatever I said, thirty-five. Whichever. Not, not, you're not going to score almost fifty points. <laughs> On to the game of the week. Um, On to the game of the week. <laughs> it is the closest spread that we have this week, um, and I right. do think this is actually going to be a really good game. Uh, Kansas State checking at the AP poll at twenty-four. They've been kind of a surprise. They've got it turned around a little quicker than a lot of people thought they would this year, and uh, they're headed to Oklahoma State, who is not ranked in the AP poll. They're just outside of it. They're receiving votes. In some power rankings, I've seen them as a top 25 team. So it should be a real close matchup. Huge, huge game in the Big 12, especially for the second tier of the Big 12 teams. Uh, Oklahoma State opened as a 7.5-point favorite, which was like, wow. I looked at that, and I'm like, why? Like, that's just a lot of points for a really solid K-State team. That's uh, People agree. It's crept all the way back down to 5. Uh, still a pretty sizable number for Oklahoma State to be favorite, though. In night game... Um... At Oklahoma State, they played a tough game last week against Texas. Came away with the loss, but it wasn't, you know, by any means uh, a super bad loss. I expect Oklahoma State to go ahead and win this game, and that's probably all based on the uh, video that Des Bryant posted on Twitter of his daughter wearing a Texas cheerleading outfit, and she was throwing up the X, and he wasn't having it. Neither am I. Give me the Cowboys. Poke them <laughs> or pokies or whatever they say. <laughs> pokes. It's up. go pokes, but okay. Go pokes. Um, it's okay. So pokes, pokes don't matter. Oklahoma State. Kansas and State has done a really good job in the post Bill Snyder era. I bet practically none of you knew that Bill Snyder wasn't the coach for Kansas State anymore, but he is not. And Oklahoma State, uh, they had a gutty performance uh, in Texas last week, and they have the best running back name for their starter, Chuba Hubbard is going to run up and down Kansas State. Give me the Oklahoma State pokey pokes. I don't know if I missed something. I totally thought you were going somewhere else with that. I think I disagree a little bit on – I definitely heard a better running back name this year. I cannot remember what the hell it was. But heard on heard 97 one actually. It's fantastic. Eli uh, Collins? So Don has <laughs> OK State in this game. He's poking along with you guys. I'm not. Uh, seven and a Pokemon. half was outrageous to me, and five points is just too much. It's not the Oklahoma State can or won't win this game, but that's a lot of points for a team that is arguably better than them. And I know it's at home, but Kansas State has played really well, and they're playing sound football. They look well coached. Uh, and not that they weren't ever not well coached with Bill Snyder at the helm, but they've made improvements quicker than reasonably expected. And I think that's that trend is going to continue as they at least cover the spread, if not win outright this week. And that wraps up our college football extraordinaire, but we got five NFL games to pick and we have a lot of fun Some action this week. Ones. Thursday, there is good football. This They're all good games. All of them. Yeah. I mean, the worst game on this slate is two undefeated teams. Uh, you could argue the last one, I guess. Yeah. Regardless. Thursday night football kicks off with a huge NFC North game. We have the banged-up Philadelphia Eagles traveling to Green Bay. They're five-point dogs. This is a, a preseason Super Bowl contending perception team that has been decimated by injuries. And their decimation of injuries does not help them at all. 
this week, Green Bay has looked fantastic this year. The defense much improved. I don't see, and Philly burned me last week when I picked them to cover against the Lions. Not only did they cover, they lost. So I'm going to hold that vendetta. And me and Aaron Rodgers and his State Farm agent, we're all going to be sitting back watching the game um, with Patrick Mahomes next to us. Green Bay will cover all the five points. Did we just have a breakthrough? I would like to point out, like for Ryan, so Ryan went eight and two last week. The two games he lost were picking against his hometown teams that he loves. Yeah, what kind of trash is that? He picks against the Messi against the Lions, and those are the and teams that win. burned him from a perfect record. Uh, oh, they burned Phil- him. They won. Uh, Philadelphia fans and even people who don't, are, don't like the Eagles, you better watch on Wednesday as it's always sunny in Philadelphia. starts its season 14 premiere, and that's going to be way, way more exciting than what Philly's going to have on Thursday night. Green Bay's defense, arguably one of the best units in all football. Good on you, Paul, for calling that. Uh, Green Bay's going to slaughter. Sean Gary got his first sack. Don picks Philly probably because he doesn't like Green Bay. And I just tease Don a lot because he's not here to actually defend his picks. So I just have a good time with it. He's just sitting in the hot tub listening. I'm also picking Philly with this. And it's me being scared off the number. So Green Bay at home, they should take care of business in this game. And as much as Green Bay's TCOB. defense has looked improved, as I said it would be, they look so good. the overall package of Green Bay, I have not been impressed with. They struggled against Denver. So they've struggled in pretty much you? every game they've they had not pretty much. They've struggled in every game they've been in. They easily could have lost to the Bears, except the Bears are just completely beyond inept at offense. They should oh, have Taylor lost. Taylor Gabriel says what? They should have Bitch. lost at Bitch. home to yeah, the Vikings. Kirk Cousins just literally decided to throw the game. They did not yeah. look great against the Vikings. They scored 21 points in the first quarter and didn't get on the scoreboard the rest of the game. And then against a very inept Denver team, they struggled. They did not. They have not put a complete game of football, especially on both sides of the ball at the same time. I am just Joe not. Sucks. Green Bay has looked exactly how I expected them to look this year, and they're lucky to have a three and zero record. Had this been at the three points that it opened at, I might have leaned Green Bay because Philly has all the injuries, and Green Bay should take care of so business. So you're telling me they're going to cover by four points? That's what you're telling me. I, I'm not. I'm not confident That's about this number. game. I wouldn't <laughs> bet this game. Paul but that number, that five fever. is a lot. Unlike in Philly, it's a short <laughs> week. Green Bay doesn't have a ton to prepare for. Philly is banged up, but they got a, they got those young guys some reps against the Lions. I think they'll utilize Ertz a lot better this week, and they need this game. Philly is desperate. This is a team that was a preseason Super Bowl contender in the NFC, and if they lose this game, their season could quickly spiral out of control, and it will be especially hard to catch Dallas in the East, right? I think yes. geography is killing me right now. Philly yes. needs this game. I think desperation and the fact that I have not been impressed oh by Green Bay, that five number is too big. I'm taking Philly in this one. Hold and on. now so we head. Just, all right. Just power what? through. Steam ahead. What? Tell me we're what you're going to say. We're just motoring ahead. All I was going to say is I'm that like Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Philly, Philly, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's just going to No, I'm, I'm just saying Philly is so banged up that there's going to be an episode in season 14 where the gang plays for the Eagles. It's that I, bad. I think, so I well, think the biggest thing it. for Philly, I think Invincible. Jason Peters is going to be healthy this week, and I think that's going to be huge for them. I think it's going to be really we'll big. And On Goddard to the game of well. the week. To yeah. the game of the week that I'm going to be at. So, Oh, sirens. I hate my friends. And not the yeah. friends on this podcast. I love them very much. I hate my yeah. other friends. That aren't as important. We're not. A mm-hmm. decade of going to Lions games 
And you're talking to a team that's lost a ton of games over the years. I had never seen a Lions loss in person. And I went to a minimum game every season from like 2010 on. So there's a lot of chances for a lot. Oh, one every 2008 game. on wasn't available, huh? I was young. <laughs> I still, you know, my parents were poor and crap. So I, we, didn't, we didn't all have right, nice all things. Right, all right, um, <laughs> last year, my friends decided we're going to go see us play the Red Hot Rams. Like, that's a really good team. Let's And I didn't want to see it. I didn't want my streak to end. I knew we weren't going to beat the Rams. And we did. My streak is over. And so this year, they're like, let's go see Patrick so Mahomes. Streak. And I hate these guys. Mahomes. I'm, like, so upset at these guys. We have to see the unstoppable Mahomes, as Coward said. So, sus. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Teach me out of English. Succinctly? Oh, my God. I that's not how you say stroke. that. Is that how you say that? Yes, you are correct, but I, I I thought you passed out. Yeah, I, I'm trying to English here. You know my enunciation. Succinctly. As Coward so succinctly put it, Patrick Mahomes is running the NFL, and he's a six-point favorite entering the den that we must defend. The undefeated matchup of undefeateds, Kansas City travels to Detroit. Yep, first game indoors for Patrick Mahomes, and he is going to make the most of it with Detroit. Sounds like Darius Slay might play if his cleats are any indication at all. But even if he plays, he's going to be banged up. Unless we get Jalen Ramsey before Sunday, I don't see us being able to keep up uh, with McCall Hardman, uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, Demarcus Robinson, even Sammy Watkins who hasn't shown up last week. But Dwight got weapons all over the field. And Detroit, as we talked about a little bit with Wojo earlier, much like Paul said, the Packers are lucky to be 3 0. Detroit's probably lucky to have two wins. I think all that luck comes to a crashing halt this week, and I do expect Kansas City to wipe the floor with the Lions, and hopefully it's another example of reverse psychology. So if I get one game wrong, I hope this is the one. Kansas City's defense in the second half is so god-awful. That is the only reason I'm even considering the Lions right now, because, my goodness, that that Kansas City defense couldn't stop. Backdoor cover, baby. There's a possibility, but I am going to veer slightly in the direction of Kansas City and Mahomes, partially because Darius Slay hasn't looked all that good, and Patrick Mahomes with everything that that Cowherd talked about. I think he's going to put Matt Patricia's defensive play calling into some issues. On top of that, Detroit wanted to do the T.O.P. You cannot do that when you're averaging less than three yards a carry in the rush. You can't. So I'll take Kansas City. I mean, you can. It's just classic Detroit doing the thing that clearly doesn't work. Because that's what they do. Uh, Don has Casey as well. And that's when you know it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> what have you seen from the Lions that makes you think they'll cover this game? Besides the fact that they're at home. I well, mean, Kansas City they, defense like, sucks. Bullshit, Juju. Like, I... They made Lamar look good. We have yeah, no buddy. way to stop Kansas City. I don't have sources. In all indications are, from what I've heard, though, that Darius Slay will play. I don't think it matters. What are we going to do to Kansas City to just stop them from ducking all over us? Our non-existent pass rush? And what are we going to do? They're just going to whip it all over us, and we're not going to do a goddamn thing to stop it. We've been terrible on all fronts on defense this year. We weren't good at defense last year. We're still not good at defense. On the offensive side of the ball... Um, what would inspire hope is you can throw on Casey's secondary, and we have the quarterback and a couple weapons to do it. The problem is we don't have the offensive scheme or the offensive line to do it. Our offensive coordinator is not going to call that game, and our offensive line is not going to hold up if he does. So, no. 
Detroit should not cover this game. And I hope I'm wrong because I'm going to this game. But at least I get to see Patty Mahomes in person. So that's cool. Little anecdote. If Detroit is able to pull this off, whoo, there's going to get some hype. Just saying. I mean, it'll be ridiculous. On the plus side, we bought these KC tickets after the Arizona game. Got a very good deal on them. They have gone up 80% in price. There you go. So that's fun, but we're not selling. Uh, we're still going to the game. On to the team of the week. We're back to At undefeated. Home. We're sticking with more undefeated. Yeah, that's we have, right. But yeah, these are kind of opposite of the spectrum undefeated. Oh, get the shit out of here! Uh, New England <laughs> Patriots three and zero. Yeah, you're right. We have the, we have a really good team, and then New England. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> New England is undefeated, of course. They have rolled through everybody, and their next stop is Buffalo, Dylan's favorite place in the world for reasons unbeknownst to us. Goddamn right. But Buffalo Bills is Mafia. also undefeated on both the arms and legs of real GOAT quarterback Josh Allen. Teaching, oh, yeah. Trash Allen teaching who? La, teaching Lamar Trash Jackson, Allen who? Teaching Lamar Jackson what a real quarterback should be able to do with his legs. Real dual threat. That's right. But, uh. New England's a seven-point road favorite, and they have looked unstoppable. Can Buffalo slow them down? No. There's a, there's a reason New England's a seven-point road favorite, and while much like the Lions don't have to apologize for wins, neither do the Bills. Obviously, they have not played great competition. Um, as Josh I Allen has you. shown improvement, I know, that's what I said. Just, they, don't, <laughs> they don't have to apologize <laughs> for the wins, but now they play uh, a very good team. Probably the best in the NFL, just like the Lions are playing, you know, Team 1B. Josh Allen, the New England defenses look so good this year, and Josh Allen is still prone to turning the ball over. Already has three interceptions through three games this year, matching his uh, matching his touchdown totals through the air. If you're giving New England extra possessions, they're absolutely going to cover that touchdown spread, and they're just a better team all around. To go into a deep dive in Buffalo here because I have to because uh, Bills Mafia represent here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, one thing about Buffalo last week, they didn't look extremely impressive in the second half, partially because Devin Singletary was out. He's going to be healthy for this game. He's good, and he is very good. And on top of that, Josh Allen, while yes, he is still relatively turnover prone. I mean, he has no weapons around him. Cole Beasley winds up being his primary target half the time. Uh, the one thing that we cannot mistake is the Bills' defense is very legitimate. They're phenomenal. This is a playoff team. The problem is that Josh Allen doesn't have any targets right now. And New England is going to cover, but they, they're not going to destroy this Bills team. It's going to be a close game probably till about midway through the third. And then one New England play, one Tom Brady piece of magic is going to break this thing open. But I think that Buffalo is going to be uh, relatively close, about a 14-24 score, something like that. <laughs> this is a bad matchup for Buffalo this year. New England is rolling right now as much as the team ever rolls in the NFL. They are absolutely on fire on both sides of the ball. And everyone talks about Tom Brady and his weapons, except they weren't talking about his weapons at the beginning of the year, but they sure are now. What? That defense is playing better than they've played in years. Stephon Gilmore is locking all of Buffalo's non-existent weapons down by himself. I mean, you put three receivers, Stephon Gilmore, cover all at the same time. That's how bad their receiving core is, and that's how good Stephon Gilmore's been. This defense, you know the, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Buffalo doesn't score. I mean, this is not this is whoa, just a bad okay. bad game for Buffalo. They're gonna you know get the last. You know the last four scores that the Patriots and the Bills have had because I had to look it up. It didn't sound right. Tell me. So 
the Patriots last year, 24-12, to 12, semi-close, but over the seven. And then they won 25-6 to six a year before that. Patriots 37-16 to 16, and Patriots 23-3. So I guess what so, I take so away from So they've been smacking them around for <laughs> rule for five of the, the last score. six anyway. So New England's not scoring 40 on them. They don't do it. They don't run up the score. If they're too good of a defense. That's what I'm I, – I guess – so that's – maybe I misrepresented a little bit. That New England doesn't traditionally run – and I expect more of the same here. This is going to be a 29-6 game. All right. Well, let's go to the uh, N- NFC uh, – representatives in the Super Bowl and the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> so this should be another fantastic game. We have some really good football this week. This is huge, right, it is huge NFC North implications. Revitalized. Minnesota is traveling to check out the new monsters yeah. of the Midway. Chicago is at home on that yeah. abomination that they call Soldier Field. They're two oh, and a yeah. half point favorites over Minnesota. What say oh, the so Homer easy. Dylan? Oh, well, you got to have Ryan go first. I, as much as I love Dalvin Cook this year, the Bears are going to take him away, and that's Minnesota's best weapon. I don't trust Kirk Cousins against this defense. So as much as we gave Dylan uh, no flack for the Bears, very, very lackluster, lackluster excuse me, performance in week one, I do think that they bounce back pretty nicely, and I do expect them to win this game by a field goal because I don't expect the Vikings offense to be able to muster up anything against that Bears front seven. I mean, yeah, okay. I, I, I'm going to toot my own horn here for a quick second. Um, I told you guys that the Bears' defense was not going to regress the way that Paul made it sound and that they were going to be hey, better where it mattered. Again, chill, I, chill last you, place. No, no, hold on. You, chill you, last place. That's not because of the defense. How many points has the defense given up this year? Dude, chill for real. Place. They haven't given up 20 points yet. <laughs> like, and, and you want to sit there and trash them. Look, you said that you were acting like somehow they were going to drop off the map. And they are still the best defensive core in the entire NFL. And HaHa Clinton Dix yesterday played phenomenal, like I said he would. And the Bears defense is going to shut down Dalvin Cook. Mitch Trubisky, oh man, Taylor Gabriel, the right hand of God. Here we go, three TDs, a Bears franchise record for touchdowns in a quarter. It's going to keep going and going and going all the way down Lakeshore Drive. Give me Chicago. Much to my chagrin, because for whatever reason, they refused to use David Montgomery at the goal line. And I can't argue because they scored touchdowns, but God dang, was that infuriating to watch. It was Jordan Howard 2.0 in Chicago. <laughs> like, why won't you guys use your good running backs? Jesus. Uh, as much as I like to shit on Chicago, mostly for Dylan's benefit, and I think Minnesota my is the benefit. better team. I think this is a terrible matchup for Minnesota. I think Chicago's front seven is just going to ravage the front of Minnesota, and I think it's going to be a really poor game for them on offense. Unless Kirk Cousins does the opposite of what he did in Green Bay, he would need a miracle to pull this one out, a much better play, and that offensive line would have to do something that I have not seen them do yet. And Dalvin Cook is not even about Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook can't do anything when he's getting hit four yards behind the line of scrimmage, which is a lot of what I expect to see on Sunday. So I am also going to take Chicago, the lone dissenter in the group, not including Matt, who refused to make his picks in a timely manner because something called like a job in life and stuff. Uh, Don did pick Minnesota in this game. Now to 
what I would call the most interesting game of the week. Not the best. Not game. even close. Not the best game, but the Get most interesting out game of, of the week. No, dude. Oh, I am fascinated God. by what is going to go on in New Orleans in Drew Brees' stead. A slaughter. And Teddy touchdowns is extremely overrated, especially what he did when he played for Minnesota. It's just vastly overrated. But he's also one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. I'll give him that. And New Orleans looked pretty competent last week. Oh, my God. Now, Seattle has their own problems. But New Orleans welcomes in undefeated Dallas, led by Ryan's baby mama, Dak Prescott. And mine. There we go. And Dallas, two-and-a-half-point favorite in the Dome. I... I'm picking Dallas here. I don't want to. There's some weird Jerry Jones audio that came out about Ezekiel Elliott, how he's an asset to the team because he spanks his ass when he's riding a fake pony. I, what? It's not in, like, anything I was hearing yet. What? Dude, this what the I'll, I'll share it later. No, it's wild. What? Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it's pretty straight. It's like the ramblings uh, of an old man oh my God. diving into senility. I need some context to this. That is wild. As much as I don't like that. I uh, I also don't like the Saints here in this spot. I think Dallas does have the athletes along the front seven to take away Camaro, which is, of course, the Saints' best asset. Um, Bridgewater cut Michael Thomas's targets basically in half, which isn't a good sign either. Give me Dallas in this one, even though Jerry Jones should be uh, put on timeout. What is going on? What is this? Oh, my God, dude. Ooh, okay, so, oh, that tickled me something fierce. <laughs> but, okay, so here's the, here's the reason why I'm not picking New Orleans. Because, first off, I, I'm in a survivor pool in my fantasy league. And I picked Seattle this past week. And Pete Carroll, right after his birthday, decided oh, to act like a senile <laughs> old man and do everything in their power to lose that damn game everyone's talking oh man new orleans looks good no they didn't what was it was it fourth and one they threw a 50 yard pass yes they were wilding out they new orleans new orleans needed two defensive touchdowns just to be able to beat seattle russ did everything in his power to try to do and Pete carroll was just being stupid I, I no no Dallas is going to spank the proverbial ass of the fake horse. Hey, there we go. Yeah, that's right. Go 360 with that one. And uh, Dallas is Dallas is going to slaughter. It's not even going to be close. I'd say that uh, you could give me 14 and a half, and I'd still be like, eh, all right. Jesus, you probably get some pretty good odds on that considering the spread. Actually, uh, that game was insane last week. Seattle got so cute. I think they just didn't think they could lose. I don't know. Like, they just got so cute and stupid. It was unbelievable. Uh, I don't understand the spread. Like, I get it. It's New Orleans. I get it. They surprisingly won last week, and they're at home. in a tough venue to play. But I don't see it, man. Dallas' defense is good, especially when they're going to be able to key on the underneath stuff, when they're going to be able to key on Kamara. I, I don't. Dallas should be favored by a touchdown here, easily. And it'll be, this would be a shock to see New Orleans win this game, but Dallas should easily cover this. Don, our wonderful compadre, agrees with us. And so once again, we are all in lockstep in that. Wraps up our picks this week. No Monday night game that we're picking this week, because the Monday night game is an abomination. 
which is? It is the Bengals at the Mason Rudolphs. Oh, my I believe. God. I believe it's at, but oh. regardless, it's very disgusting. Oh I'm pretty God. sure it's it. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. That's disgusting. It's uh, it's not pretty. I'm going to check right now, actually. Just, uh, just so I don't want to look stupid now. All but right. I'm well, sure it was really Ryan, Ryan sign, us, sign us off with some Jerry Jones audio or something. <laughs> Woo! That used to be a very good spot to play. Uh, I was trying to find it. I couldn't. Not quite yet. So I'm sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, Bengals at Steelers. But Oof. thank you guys for, <laughs> thank you guys for <coughs> listening. Take my advice in the picks because obviously you'll make some money that way. What advice? Go week? Green. Go Lions. Let's ball out till we fall out.